Welcome to the Strength Culture Podcast. I hear him chat to the noise, move too quick, can't stop for the talking. I hear him chat with the boys, not so tough, but must keep caution. All right, guys, welcome to the Strength Culture Podcast. This is Jeff, your host, aka the Flexible. And today I am very excited to bring on uh, our guest, Alex Navarro. And how do you say your, your married name? Goladriga. Goladriga. I knew I was going to mess that up, so I wanted to ask you, <laughs> aka at Alex Fit Mama on Instagram. And that's A L E X F I T M A M A. She is owner of Her Body Solutions at herbodysolutions.com. And I actually just found out that her in Her Body Solutions stands for health, education, and results, as well as her for all those ladies and females out there. She's also co-author of Transforming Recipes Cookbook, as well as a couple others, uh, which I'm sure she will dive into later in the podcast. But I just want to say welcome, Alex. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about all the things today. Yes, I'm extremely excited as well. Um, You know, before we started, I kind of explained to you that a big piece of my market is a lot of men. um, And I was really excited, not only because there's so many training parallels and and, and training philosophies that parallel really well. um, I think it's going to be really refreshing for everyone to get the female perspective, the perspective from uh, the mom, because you're also a mom, um, and, and kind of everything and how everything in training and nutrition and all these things can relate um, to that because, you know, as a man, I only see things through a man's lens as most guys, um, as well as I think to just to broaden the conversation uh, for the women that I do have who follow me, um, you know, and kind of broaden our audiences both because I think there's a lot that we can learn uh, from each other. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is going to be a lot of nuggets in this. So, Alex, why don't you just start with telling us about you, how you got to where you are, how you got the extensive list of credentials that you've accumulated over the time and, and, and kind of tell us a little bit about that journey. And you can go as far back as, you know, you feel necessary. Perfect. Cause it goes really far back. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, in, I'll, I'll just do like a nutshell of my, my fitness uh, history and then sort of how I've more recently uh, uncovered why that is and how I've used that over my lifetime. So, cause that's been um, a large part of the transition that I've made and how I help women today in, okay. in all of these sort of realizations that I've had over the past few years. Um, I started doing gymnastics when I was five. I was, right. I was the, the toddler that was climbing on things and my parents needed me to do something other than <laughs> climb walls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was put in gymnastics, which I fell in love with, and I ended up competing in that until I was 12, which I loved. So training a lot. I was in the gym six days a week, you know, two, three hour training sessions, competing on the weekends. Um, yeah. I, don't, home. I don't think a lot of people realize uh, how many hours most kids put into gymnastics. It's pretty extensive volume in terms of training. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> but I loved it. I happened to be really good at it. So it just kind of worked out. Um, I took some time off in middle school and into high school, mostly because I realized I didn't have a life. Uh, Yes, exactly. Um, As a preteen, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, Took a break, um, but actually ended up 
joining the wrestling team in high school. I don't know a lot of people know that, uh, but I, we didn't have a gymnastics team in my school and I wanted to be more social in school um, and for a lot of other reasons that I'll kind of dive into in a little bit, but I wrestled for two years in high school. I was at the time one of two girls on the wrestling team. So that was a very different world to live in at the time. Now girls wrestling is much more of a thing, which is awesome. I love it. Uh, but at the time it was uh, not widely accepted. Um, it was actually interesting because my name is Alex and it's not short for anything. So when I would go to tournaments and I would just have my name bracketed on the wall, I would show up to the mat and uh, get a variety of looks and responses from people when they didn't realize sure. they were wrestling a girl. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, I guess if it's not short for like, you know, Alexandra or something like that, then it's, you seem to have a dude. it's quite surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say I didn't win a lot, but I, w I didn't wrestle big for the sake of competing. I loved the workout. Um, I loved other components of it. Very different style of moving your body. So I did that and then took a break again, in my early college years in 2006. Well, actually I would say I, I worked out for all of that time in the gym. And actually during wrestling was when I was first introduced to the weight room, which I fell in love with. So I've actually been wearing my, um, my, my gym chick t-shirt because this oh. is a very good representation of, of who I've been ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> Loved the weight room. Um, I continued to do that early into college. Um, just loved going to the gym, had no clue what I was doing, but sort of just watched other people and did some Jane Fonda moves I saw my mom doing when I was little. <laughs> had little ankle weights that I played with. Um, and then 2006, I got introduced to fitness and bikini competitions. Oh. And that is really where sort of all of this took off. And at the time, Bikini uh, was not really a thing. It had just started. This was a very long time ago. It had just became a category within the fitness and bodybuilding world. At the time, fitness was the main category. And so was women's bodybuilding. Obviously, I didn't want to be a woman, a female bodybuilder, uh, but I loved the concept of fitness because it incorporated the routine. So I was like, oh, I have the gymnastics background. I can do these fancy tricks. Oh. Awesome. So I started training for my first competition as just sort of like a bucket list, step out of my comfort zone sort of thing, and then fell in love and ended up doing that for seven years straight. Okay. Wow. Um, I've competed in 30 shows over the course of my career and did very well for myself in specifically the fitness component um, because, again, I had that background and I'm the type of person to, when I want to compete at something or be good at it, I put like everything into it. So for the fitness competition specifically, there was the fitness round, there was bikini round and a speech round. It was very pageanty. So I was taking public speaking classes. I was, you know, training with a bodybuilding coach at the time who was helping me build the physique that um, ended up helping me win lots of awards. Um, I also sought out a gym, a gymnastics coach. So Living in San Francisco at the time, I lived very close to a world-renowned circus school. So, of course, that's where I went to learn my skills. Um, I had a list of skills that I wanted to incorporate into my routine. And I met with this coach twice a week, and we worked on developing these skills. And that's honestly where I like rediscovered my love for gymnastics. And luckily, my body remembered most of the stuff. <laughs> luckily. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> good, old mus- good old muscle memory, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but what's fun about doing the competitions was I it needed to comprise a lot of different elements. You needed to show flexibility. You needed to show strength. You needed to show endurance. There were sort of these qualifications that um, a complete routine needed to have to be competitive and to win. And so I loved that because I got to mesh all of these different things that I loved into one and have it be like fun and to music and all of that. So it's a much more interesting dynamic in terms of competition compared to your, I don't know if you call it more traditional, you know, bodybuilding stage. Uh, you know, what do they have now? They also, what's the natural, um, they call it physique, right? Is it physique? Mm-hmm. So a lot of elements that's surprising. I've never even, I didn't even know it existed. I mean, I've never really been in that world either. So it's not like a shock, but that's, that's quite impressive. It was. And that's honestly why I loved it. I loved the fact that it was like very intense. I mean, talk about not only needing to look good on stage, you know, be at your peak, you're depleted, but then have to go to perform this routine. Uh, that was you know anywhere from 60 to 90 seconds of like haul ass. <laughs> right. Look really good while you're doing it. Um, it, you know, again, it just, it, it sort of took everything you had to make this happen. And I loved the focus. I loved the structure that it gave me. It also gave me an introduction to the nutrition side of things. And that's actually how I got into doing a lot of what I do because I hired a very well-known coach who really screwed me up. Gotcha. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> totally <laughs> uh, got it. <laughs> lessons learned. Yep. Lessons learned. But through the competing, again, it, it sort of introduced me to lots of different things, the nutrition side of thing, different types of training modalities. Um, also the sort of behind the scenes of competing because it's not glamorous and pretty like right. you see on page. It's a whole kind of ugly world. And I learned a lot from it and luckily managed to come out <laughs> better on the other side than a lot of people I think could say. Yeah. I mean, fitness, especially on Instagram, right? It's, um, there's a lot of glamor to it at like from curb appeal in terms of what people see. And it's interesting because I just had somebody here this weekend actually who found me on Instagram and and came to do like a, I guess you call it like a mini pseudo documentary. Basically he's documenting different people who had some success on Instagram and kind of finding out how they got there and stuff. And as I'm telling him the story, I'm like, wow, like a lot of people aren't going to want to be a coach after they hear this because they don't realize like it's not as glamorous as it's made out to be. And I also realized, which I'm sure we've probably both experienced, a lot of people get into it for the glamour that there appears to be, but the passion and integrity that stands behind it isn't really there, right? So then, you know, I'm sure as we've both experienced, it can kind of uh, be a little misleading and in in times, like you said, kind of mess us up a little bit. So it's, uh, yeah, it is a really interesting thing Um, because you have to, I mean, from my opinion, you have to really love it. If you're going to be good at it, you have to really love it and you have to do it for that, you know? So it's, um, it's unique and it's not just the win. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So you were a gymnast, Uh, a lot of young, long, young girls at some point, I'm sure do gymnastics, but you, you competed for, you know, participated in and competed for a good, almost six years, but then you joined the wrestling team, which is interesting because well, one, I, 
I mean, again, this shows my ignorance. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew, I knew there was women's wrestling like as an Olympic sport, but I guess, you know, on a, on a smaller level, on a grassroots level, it doesn't seem like something that you would find in a typical American high school, especially not really anymore. Um, so that, that was really interesting. And it was a competitive wrestling team. Like you guys went to a tournament. It wasn't just like club or something like that. Wow. That's, that's really impressive. And so then like, of course, most, um, well, at first I want to ask why wrestling, why not softball? Why not basketball? Why not soccer? Why not, you know, there's numerous other team sports that I guess are more acceptable of women playing. Obviously now it's, it's a free for all, but, um, why wrestling and why not, why not, why not a field sport? Great question. So what's interesting is at the time, my reasonings were different than now in retrospect, what those were and what drove those reasons. So at the time it was, well, let me preface by saying I am very coordinated with my body, but not with other things. So like, don't throw a ball at me and don't ask me to catch it. Okay. So that pretty much eliminated <laughs> a large percentage of sports. Gotcha. All right. That makes <laughs> sense. I also really don't like running. I've never liked running. It's never been my thing. You know, as a gymnast, you're like, you're a power, you do power moves, you, right. you sprint, you jump, but like, we're not talking about anything like endurance basically. I'm with so you that also that. eliminated a lot of activities. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. I was a baseball player. So, you know, the most you run is, I mean, right. base to base, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. usually sprinting. And it's fast. Okay. And ball and that was right. Of not, course. Of course. Yeah. Cool. But I'm not a runner. Even to this day, people ask if I run, I'm like, no, I do After not run. Team. Yeah, After exactly. my kids, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So part of it was you didn't feel you were totally coordinated in terms of, you know, using balls and bats and other apparatuses that you use in team sports. Was there, you were, it looked like, it sounded like you were going to get into a little bit more of a, a bigger reason. Yes. I also, I remember specifically at the time when people asked me, because everybody asked me, why are you doing this? Remember my dad being like, are you sure? Like he, he wanted me to buy my shoes and he's like, you're sure this is what you want to do. Like, why? And my only reason at the time was I wanted to do something as intense as possible. I wanted to challenge my body in a way that it had never been challenged before that didn't involve balls. Um, right. Cause I feel like it's more of like a mental <laughs> coordination thing. And I had just heard that that was like the most intense workout that you could have. And that at the time had an appeal to me. And that was my reasoning. And it was, I mean, talk about testing your limits. I've never almost thrown up and work out more than I did in wrestling. In wrestling. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an, that's interesting. Um, because I mean, gymnastics even can have a reputation to be some really intense conditioning and then you get into, some, so already most people are going to think if they've had some exposure to gymnastics, um, they're going to go, wow, there is something more intense in terms of conditioning than gymnastics. Yeah. You found it. It's called wrestling. Um, I, now I have to imagine that you, even though you said you didn't necessarily do very well, there had to be some benefits with your background in gymnastics, not only from a conditioning standpoint, but also from a flexibility standpoint, because I feel like people don't understand how much flexibility can be beneficial to you in many ways in a sport like wrestling. So did you find, did you find that having some exposure to a sport which demanded a high level of flexibility, you know, as a young girl kind of carried over into wrestling? Did you, did that at least give you some edge or something over maybe other girls who competed? hundred percent. Yes. 
And I have a distinct memory of once my, my coach at the time, who luckily was all about females wrestling, which was awesome. Uh, Cause I met a lot of other coaches who were not about it and didn't think I should be participating at all. Right. And he saw that I could bridge on my head. You know, I could <laughs> right. basically not get pinned. And he said, use that to your advantage. And I don't care if you don't win, but don't get pinned. So basically just stick it out as long as you can, if we don't feel like you could, you know, beat the guy. Cause right. I was always wrestling dudes. Granted, we were wrestling really small guys cause I was in the 106 weight class. So right, right. Really okay. So that's um, interesting. So you actually wrestled men. Yeah. Cause they're or boys. I mean, boys. boys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like 14 to 16 year old. Right, right, right. Boys. Right. Boys. Yes. So he said, don't just don't get pinned. And so, you know, cause you get more points if, if at least you can hang out longer. If you get pinned, they get more points. And so they're going to win at a higher level. And so we're talking about the whole team score right. as well. So we have individual rounds, but then the team score. So that was my goal. It was like, if I don't feel like I can beat this guy, just like, don't get pinned. Right. And, so that, uh, that's good information. So, so wrestling works on a point system, but also so, so it's essentially like most martial arts point point martial arts where you get points for certain moves and stuff. And then obviously if you pin them, it's done. They're o- it's over with. Exactly. Okay. Did you ever beat a boy? Did I you did. ever? Oh Numerous man. Times. Oh, oh yeah. he never Tears. lived it down. Tears. <laughs> that is, he never lived it down. His dad was probably, he, he must've had a rough, uh, a rough night after that. You know, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> but probably no one else had to uh, let him know. I'm sure he felt bad enough about himself. So man, that's impressive. Okay. So fast forward to college. You're you like most people who probably start out unless, yeah, I would say most people who, especially if you pursue the direction of health and fitness have had some exposure to a weight room and it generally begins at a very casual level, whether it's in you know high school weightlifting class, which to me is generally pretty casual or you just kind of navigate the weight room on your own. And then you get into competition. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can dive a little bit more into that. And, And I know you explained some things about what made it so, I mean, already just the fact that there was the physical competition of having to show up and be in mint aesthetic condition I guess where we can tie this in is now that you got, you're here, did you find that you had a leg up now yet again because of not only your gymnastics background, but now wrestling background? Because wrestling is, you know, I'm already on, on young women, gymnastics has a reputation to be pretty hard on the body in terms of diet and things like this. But now you're wrestling. So you're, you know, weight class. And I don't know if it's, as much an issue for girls again just i only speak from from a point where i have just literally no idea but for men i definitely know that you know there's weight classes and it can be hard to move up and down and these kind of things so did that provide an advantage due to your you know your history with wrestling and and the conditioning and the cutting and that kind of thing it did yes um luckily in wrestling i i never had to cut because i was always under and there was uh, a guy in my on my team who was at the class above me. So I was sort of in the middle of the classes. And so it was my job to eat as much as possible always. So I was actually the one on the sidelines eating, like my coach would bring me food, like eat, eat. And I'd be having the timer and watching everybody run in circles with their, you know, sweatshirts and layers on. Right. (laughs) Probably going to like 
switch out what they needed to do to drop the weight. I'd be like holding the cups for them. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Um, so luckily I never had to cut. Uh, my goal was to just put on weight, which was super hard at the time. Yeah. Super, super hard. I pretty much just could eat anything and everything. Uh, luckily I love food. So it's like my job to eat. Um, but making that transition then into competing and being more conscious of my food and what I was taking in was more challenging. And, and honestly, you, you had a nutrition coach. So my first two years, I didn't. I actually did all of the nutrition myself, purely wow. based off of instinct. Um, the coach that I had was just for training and posing. So he's the one that helped me like, you know, put together the workout for the gym, shape my body how I needed it to. And I'd always ask him about nutrition. He said, whatever you're doing is working. So just keep doing it. Even though I had no idea what I was doing. It was very much instinctual and it worked. So I didn't question it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you have the awareness enough, you know, again, that's, that's the interesting thing, right? Because you do hear that a lot is, is some people tend to just be able to get by on whatever they feel is, is best. I mean, I mean, it's probably, it's probably not really how eating should be, right? Like it should be a lot more intuitive than you'd think, but, um, you know, it, it tends to be complicated, made complicated, but so you won, you competed in over 30 shows Yes. and, and you won several shows as well. Lots, the majority. Lots, <laughs> the majority of, wow. Okay. Um, I over competed at international years. levels, national levels, um, my highest rankings were uh, third in Miss Fitness World, which was a world. So you had to compete in Miss Fitness USA, and then you make it to the world. Um, we were on ESPN at the time. You know, this was a very long time ago. <laughs> um, so it was televised. Uh, we had like sponsorships and award shows, um, big audiences, things like that. Um, also competed in Miss Fitness Universe, uh, got second place in that. So those are my two sort of uh, highest levels within the fitness category. And all of those are every year you have to qualify for each level and you make it to the next one and then compete there. So wow. it was um, really awesome when I got to that like top level, because I actually, my last show at that in the Miss Fitness uh, Worlds competition, I was in the top three on stage with two women that I had watched on ESPN when I realized I wanted to do the competitions. Wow, look at that. So I had seen them on TV and said, that, I want to do that. How do I do that? And then I ended up being on stage with them, which was like highlight of, one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really impressive. I mean, that's, that's a high level. I mean, that's a one percenter type of, of elite level in, in any category that you, you, know, you could think of. So that's very impressive. Now, at this time, were you coaching at all or were you just training? I was just training. Uh, I was training personal training. Okay. All right. Others. So I was actually at 24 hour fitness. That was my first personal training job when I was 21. Okay. I was already a gym rat. Yeah. Um, just doing the one-on-one personal training. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. All right. So already an extensive history and we haven't even, I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface here. So this is, I know in retrospect, it feels like a lifetime ago <laughs> <laughs> and you have so much more to go, like, right? Please. Like, <laughs> That's impressive. So, you know, maybe, maybe you can go in a little bit more into, you know, competing. Cause I feel like outside of, you know, women's weightlifting and just strength, I guess, power sports, weight sports in general are obviously becoming a lot more popular due to gymnastics. I mean, gymnastics due to CrossFit, sorry. Um, you know, 
obviously even women's physique type bodybuilding competitions has also exploded over the years. So, you know, it's, I mean, I go to gym at any point in the day and it seems like some woman in there as well as men are training for local physique competitions or what, I mean, it, it seems to be very, very, very popular. So maybe you can go a little bit more into detail about it, about kind of your experiences, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, just the truth of what you think people should know. If it's, if it's something that they are interested in, if it's something that they're going to pursue or have thought about pursuing, you know, maybe you can give uh, some insight into it in a little bit more um, in more depth. Definitely. It's uh, something that has changed dramatically over the past decade and a half. Again, I started in 2006 a very long time ago. Um, and it has changed a lot. So I would say first, when I, when I first got into it, uh, fitness was the main category for women. There was female bodybuilding, there was figure, okay. there was fitness, and then bikini had just started. So bikini now is the category that's exploded um, because it looks, you know, it's, a little, it's more feminine. Um, it's not quite as uh, beefy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, you look pretty with your shoes. It looks more glamorous. Okay. Um, also the, the, you know, the level of entry is much easier than fitness. And honestly, fitness ended up dying a few years later. Okay. Um, you might be able to find a few, a few uh, organizations who still do it, but they're very hard to find. And to be perfectly honest, it's because it's really hard. And as soon as bikini exploded and all of these women realized, oh, I can just focus on looking good. I don't have to do all these tricks. Right. Well, that opened the door up to a lot of women to do it. Yeah. And because fitness, again, it's hard. You're talking about multiple levels of training and different things to keep in, into account in terms of nutrition, recovery, and all of that. So that's been interesting just to see how things there has, have morphed. But it's also interesting within each different federation organization because similar to like weightlifting and things, there's different organizations that right. hold these events. There's different criteria um, what they want the body to look like, what they don't want it to look like, how they want you to pose, um, whether they're natural or not, which right. I'll get into, um, because that's a whole other thing. And that's not, that's sort of the, one of one of the many ugly sides that I started noticing later on in my career. So I um, was all about competing naturally. In fact, two of the organizations drug tested at the beginning of every show. Um, so we were either doing polygraphs or being in a cup. <laughs> to make okay. sure that we were drug free, um, which I loved because obviously I'm like taking drugs. I don't want to turn into a dude. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Makes sense. And, right. <laughs> so when I first started, I loved the, I loved the women. It, it felt like a family. It felt like all of these women were just there to compete and have fun and sort of bring their different skills and talents and um, everyone got along. I mean, I, I'm still friends with some of these women from all, from all of this time ago. It was like, you know, we're behind the stage helping each other and congratulating each other and supporting each other. And over the years, that changed a lot. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that happened, but I noticed it the most when I actually joined a team. So three years into my competing, I was told that I needed a coach. Okay. Because my bodybuilding coach at the time, I started getting into a level that he wasn't familiar with. So he couldn't really help me um, excel in the way that I wanted to. So I was kind of doing it on my own, but then told I should hire a coach. I was told to hire this coach. Right. So I did. <laughs> and that, you know, in retrospect is where I learned the most because it was um, not a good experience all around. Right. Um, a, I was 
blindly following somebody's advice. I was trusting them to take care of me and everything about my body and my mind. And I didn't question anything that they were telling me to do. I just did it, even when it felt like it was wrong. Which just quickly to interrupt, which I want to make a point so everyone understands this, that especially as a coach, you have a high level of responsibility with these people that you handle because I don't think, especially for people who don't get into it necessarily for what I call the right reasons, people don't understand the profound impact that you're going to have on an individual, not only their actual literal biology, but their psychology as well. Like that's, that's major. I just kind of want to make sure that everyone like really is going to pay attention to this. Cause I think that there's going to be a lot to be learned here. And, you know, unfortunately I've, I've, I've heard this story many times and it, and it's kind of sad because yeah, I mean, people are going to understand here in a minute why it's probably sad, but uh, yeah, please continue. I'm glad you interjected. <laughs> <laughs> and again, a lot of how, uh, sort of how I've shaped the way that I coach and who I coach and my whole philosophy behind that because of that experience. So again, it was a bad experience, but it's also helped me to be who I am and shaped how I do things now. So um, on top of just the bad coaching experience, I also saw the side of these teams. And that um, was the start of sort of a lot of what you see now is being a part of an elite team, having this well-known coach, um, having using that as leverage Right. It's a very political organization and, and way of competing, unfortunately. So it is who like, knew? who you know and who you're a part of and all of that, um, which I thought was really important and ended up not being that important. If you're good, you're good. It doesn't matter. Um, so I followed her for about two years. The last half of the last year is when I started questioning everything. Um, I was seeing changes in my body that I didn't like. I had no idea what I was doing anymore. It was like, all of my instincts are gone, except that this doesn't feel right. Um, I went from doing gymnastics twice a week and weightlifting five, six days a week, doing zero cardio ever, eating intuitively, to then joining this team and having this coach to eating very little, like zero fat. I was having you know six meals a day, I was measuring everything. I was training six days a week. I was doing cardio five to six days a week. So I went from doing none to doing like high intensity, steady state cardio. Um, I was at one point told not to count my gymnastics training as training because I was used to it. And it wasn't, you know, I was, I was adapted to it. So to not count that as a training session. So there were days where I would lift, do gymnastics, hit the track. Wow. Like in retrospect, again, I don't know how I did that. I had the time for that, to be honest, <laughs> but I made it work. I was in college too, like my last two years of college trying to graduate and like just using all of my spare time to train basically. So not even basically the training volume of, of a elite athlete, a professional athlete. You're also a full-time college student. Wow. And working. And working. Yeah. <laughs> and a job. And Jeez. well, yeah, someone's got to pay for the competition. Of it course. is not cheap. It is a very, very expensive hobby. And when we're talking coaches, supplements, all the food, entry, bikinis, shoes. Um, I was paying for the gymnastics training to help with my routine. I was getting choreography, music for the travel. I mean, tanning, makeup, <laughs> all of that. It's I mean, I could probably own three houses if I had just saved all <laughs> money. <laughs> it was a lot. It was wow. a lot. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
So that last part of the, the last year with them is where I stopped eating the way that they told me to eat because uh, I wasn't getting the support. I wasn't getting the questions answered. Um, a little TMI, but I talk about this with clients. I hadn't gone to the bathroom in like three days and I'm emailing my coach saying like, hey, something's wrong. Right. This is a problem. And she says, go buy some prune juice. It'll be fine. Oh man. So these are like very, even though I've never been involved in this world, just as a, just as a generalization, these are all very generic sort of uh, traditions. I'll call them because it's exactly what they are. Traditions kind of passed down, it seems in this, this realm of fitness. Um, yeah, that's, that's wild. Mm-hmm. That was my red flag of like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I feel like this is bad advice. And that's when I just dropped. So I was still technically on their team. I was doing my check-ins, but I was eating. I went back to my intuitive eating. Right. Um, but I still at that point was confused because I was like, well, I'm being told this and this is the way to do things. And this is what I was doing before. Like, where's, where's the middle ground? Um, so I just kind of winging it for a while. Um, but I started to see a lot of negative changes in my body, things I could not, I could no longer control. And I had it in my mind that more exercise was the answer. I started getting injured because I wasn't getting the recovery that I needed. And I had no idea what I was doing with the food. So I was sort of just spinning my wheels. And at that point is when I got a little desperate and I would say everything works out for a reason. Right. Um, at the time, I was also, I was really good at the stage presence on stage. That just, I think maybe from gymnastics, it came naturally to me to have a good presentation. So I would do whole posing workshops for local competitors. Um, and I happened to be really good at that. And there was a coach um, in the town over who would send me a lot of girls to do the posing for. Okay. And that's how I met him, this Kiefer. Kiefer is the creator of the Carbonite Solution and Carb Backloading. And I ended up competing at the same show as the girls that I had done posing for, which were his girls. Okay. And that was the worst show that I had done at. Because again, I had lost or lost control of what my body was doing at that point. And was told by my, my coach at the time that you should just do all the shows, you know, to have, have experience and practice. And he saw me at the show and said, reached out a week later and said, you know, you looked a little different this time. Very nicely put. (laughs) What's going on? Um, I'd love to talk to you about how I coach my girls and see if that's something that you'd be interested in. And I was like, yes, I need help. (laughs) This is, this is Kiefer. This is Kiefer. Okay. All right. Yep. And we met the next week and I learned about the Carbonite Solution and he pretty much said, in a nutshell, like you can eat a lot more of the foods that you want. It doesn't have to be as structured. We can get back. I can help you get back to that intuitiveness of your eating. And you could do half of what you're doing in the gym and see far better results. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't bat an eye. I was like, when can we start? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea who this was or what he was talking about. It sounded way too good to be true, but I was so desperate that I needed something different. But this is interesting because you just had a, you just had a pretty poor experience with Mm -hmm. a coach that you were all in on. Right. And now you, most people would probably run the other way, but now here you are getting ready to take the jump yet again. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is going to be good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Part of that appeal was because how he talked about everything. He, I mean, he has a, 
he's a physicist background. He's very much into research. Everything he talked about was like, this has been, this is based off of science. Um, this is not based off of like, you know, it's not fluffy. <laughs> right. This is uh, something that, I, that he's developed over the course of 10 years. I, see, I saw all these women that he coached, um, how great they looked. I heard about their experience with it and how easy it was and how delicious it was. <laughs> and so I already had a that going into it. And I said, anything can be better than what I'm doing. Um, and I also, he knew, I had shared what my terrible experience was like and he pretty much promised that that wouldn't be the case. Okay. So I literally, I did go in with blind faith as like this, hope this is a thing um and it ended up being the thing and i have been eating in this way to some extent since 2010 all right so i just had my 10-year anniversary last month in october wow all right so clearly sustainable which is probably the biggest issue with most people's nutrition especially when you go to one extreme or the other right is the ability to sustain something that like truly works so a decade of, of eating like this all right so your, your coach, so you have had now competitions, you've been competing, you're training people one-on-one, you're in college, a lot is going, a lot has gone on, a lot is going on. And you've now, you got away from competing for a little bit. It sounds like to coach to, to cause you were posing, coaching, posing, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then on a whim decided to compete again. Kind of like Actually, I never stopped competing. You I never kept, stopped competing. Not the whole time. Okay. All right. So you continue competing. And then this coach who saw you competing, mm-hmm. he saw you because you, well, you're training or you're competing now with the girls he's been sending you. And so he reached out to say, Hey, you know, I let can me help you. you. Awesome. Okay. So, so how, how, how long did you work with him? Cause how many years now have you been competing? So I competed from when I met him in 2010, I competed for two more years. Okay. And then I took a long break. So for those two years, I, that is the point that I had done better than I had ever done before. So I had done well, um, but I had continued to just do better and better. So for example, I started with him in October, the following June, there was a really large fitness show actually in Miami, uh, fitness universe. Okay. And the first year I had done it for three years. The first year that I did it, I was 15th. The second year I did it, I was in the top 10. And the third year with him, I came in second. Wow. And that was probably a highlight because A, I got second at a very prestigious show. And third, second, because I got to see my old coach. And she said, I'd love to have you back whenever you're ready. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, when you're ready. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so in 2011 was the last year that I competed in fitness because at that point, fitness was really dying off. Um, it was uh, just m- much harder to compete in and the politicalness of it was getting really out of hand and it was hard to find an organization that didn't have that. And because I was no longer a part of this team, the odds of me being able to do as well as I wanted and knew that I could were unlikely unfortunately. So, yeah. So I transitioned to a different organization that did not offer fitness. They just offered bikini. But again, I was, I was starting to take on other things in my career um, outside of competing that allowed me to have more time to do that. So that's when I transitioned to the WBFF, 
which is the uh, World Bodybuilding Fitness and Fashion okay. Federation. Uh, they're a Canadian organization that had just started making their way into other countries. So I competed with them and I ended up getting my pro card at my first show with them. Oh, wow. And this was in 2011? 2012. 2012. Okay. Mm -hmm. And after that is when I took a break. And how long was that break? That break was seven years. Oh my. Wow. Mm -hmm. So my most recent show, which was the the last one that I've done, which was uh, two April's ago. So that was uh, 2018. 2000. Yeah. Yeah. 19. April, 2019. April, 2019. So I competed as a pro in my, and now I got to compete in 35 plus because I was over 35 at the time. (laughs) And uh, I ended up coming, coming in second. So as my comeback after seven years, I did pretty well, which was exciting. And having my, my son too. Wait, you said second? I came in second. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Second after having your son. Yes. And seven years. That's, that's, that's the recent stuff I've seen on your Instagram of you competing. Yes. You decided you decided to go back after having a kid, right? Yeah. Was it to uh, prove that you could do it after having a, a kid and bit. make the bounce back? Yes. Yeah, so two reasons. One is to prove that I could do it and also to prove that I could do it without doing very much at all. Um, so I was showing that I had maintained my nutrition very easily and very well. I only trained three days a week in prep for that show. Wow. And I did zero cardio. So I also just wanted to, A, test things out and experiment, which I can get into a little bit more. Um, I've really been like my own body scientist with both the training and the food. And that's been, and that's honestly what I did for those seven years of off, taking off. Um, that's when I found gymnastic bodies. I just right. dabbled in a lot of different uh, modalities of training, different ways of, of manipulating the, the nutrition side. And so having gone through all that experience, I was like, I can compete again and do like far less and eat a lot more food than I had ever had before. <laughs> and I'm going to prove that I can do this. That's and impressive. That's okay. impressive. I mean, there's hope in that. There's hope in that statement, right? Because while there's definitely always going to be the side of me that feels like, look, if you want to excel at something, you have to probably do it more than most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it probably just, especially if you enjoy it, it doesn't have to be as miserable as a lot of what people put themselves through, right? Because a lot of people seemingly put themselves through misery and go nowhere with it. I mean, walk into any Globo gym on any given day and you see it all the time, right? People just absolutely torturing themselves and like really seeing nothing from it. So it's going to be interesting to hear about that because there are going to be a lot of people who share the opposite views of kind of what you needed to do before, right? Like training three times a day, seven days a week sort of, sort of deal. So, so maybe now we can kind of go into that because yeah. I mean, that's just different. I wasn't even expecting you to say, okay. So you've, you took a break, a very long break. Um, you had a son and, and now you're training three days a week in zero cardio. And then you win second place at a show. Wow. <laughs> okay. It also goes to show that consistency over time, which is like one of the one of my philosophies, like it doesn't matter if you fall off, just find find your consistency again. And I mean, you know about muscle memory, uh, muscle right. maturity. You're not going to lose it if you stop working out for a short period of time. Um, I mean, I definitely learned that when I had my son. So that was a very different time trying to navigate and 
I obviously had the advantage of having pretty much been training to some extent my entire life. So like I've had delts since I was like nine. Um, (laughs) They didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Which counts, right? Like I feel like if you have any sort of like exposure to any sports as a kid, like you, especially later as a trainer and training people, there's always a difference between people come in and they've had some sort of athletic background. It could be, doesn't have to be they don't have to be world champions or anything but if they played recreationally at any level like it you definitely see there's pros and cons i think which i've found with people in terms of you know because what kind of exposure do they have to you know as a kid to you know coaching and training and these kind of things but so so what did you find out it's you know you 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 disappear off the circuit for seven years. You're doing your own thing. You're running your own business. What is, what has happened in this seven year span that you discovered that led you to, to winning second place as a mom, you know? So I was, so within that seven years, I did a lot of things. I started coaching on nutrition on top of my personal training. I started working, I started coaching competitors. So I didn't leave the the scene completely, but I stepped back from the stage and I just coached them to be on stage in in this, by using these more sustainable approaches. Um, I obviously had been used myself as the the guinea pig for a lot of it so that I felt confident in being able to help others do it, uh, which I loved. So again, I got to be like in the scene, but not in the scene, which was fun. (laughs) And I also, within that, I got to help those women compete using a very different mindset than I had. So I'll, I'll jump into that a little bit more um, in a little bit because that's a huge part of what I do now is the mindset side of it, um, the psychology of it. Because yeah, if you don't have that going into competing, you can come out really screwed up afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really screwed up. So uh, that's why I made that a large part of how I coach. Um, I also then had uh, rebranded my website it at one time was called fit living foodies. Um, I had had such uh, sort of epiphanies around the eating when I started doing the carbonate solution of like, I can eat bacon every day and like right. <laughs> cookies and donuts here and just way more flexibility with my food. And I always loved to cook. So that's when I also made the cookbooks. So I started with the transforming recipes book and I called it that because these recipes can help you transform. You can also transform your meals into things that are even more sustainable, um, you know, tastier, but also help get you the results that you want. Uh, we had done a cook a dessert version of that book as well. So recipes that worked well within your goals and then a, a book called done in one that were all like one pot recipes. So that was over the course of three years. We wrote these cookbooks. Um, I had a partner at the time who helped me run fit living foodies. And then up until more recently is when I rebranded again, stepped away from the cooking side of things and founded her body solutions. So within that is also personally, I was doing these things on the business side but then that's when I was also dabbling with the training and manipulating the food. So I had discovered gymnastic bodies and I had actually funny story with them. I was doing a cooking demo at paleo FX conference in Austin, Texas. So I'm like doing a live cooking demo promoting my book. And I saw the gymnastics bodies booth at this convention. And I was like, gymnastics. And I like run over. (laughs) Right. Right. What year (laughs) is this? This was, oh my gosh, when was this? 2014? Okay. 13, 13 maybe? 
2013? Yeah, so kind of the really the emergence of that system was around that time because that's about the same time that I started getting into it as well. Yeah. And I was also living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, which was where Coach Thomas, Christopher Somers, who's the founder of Gymnastics Bodies, he lived like 45 minutes north. Okay. So meeting these people at the convention, I was put in touch with him. Uh, they knew I had the gymnastics background, so there was a little bit of appeal there. He's like, I want you to, to go through the certification process. Um, you already have a, an extensive background here. You, you're obviously good with the food side of things. Um, I think he kind of liked me because I was a little poster child <laughs> for things. <laughs> it, it works in your favor. <laughs> My favor. Um, he's like, you look the part, you know, you could do right, all this right, stuff right. You know about the food. So he actually invited me to speak at the, uh, the master's seminar weekend. So he brought me in um, and actually gave a nutrition talk and he um, wanted me to do the whole nutrition programming for gymnastics bodies at the time. Um, that's not something I ended up being interested in doing, right. but I got to participate in the program. I got to meet some amazing people at this weekend um, who ended up being clients, which was awesome. So that also learning and experimenting with the food side of things was a very large shift from what I had been previously doing because Prior to that, I was eating and training to look a certain way right. versus eating and training to perform a certain way. So I actually have a few articles that I wrote. Um, maybe I can send you links for them. But yeah, that'd be great. On, on how, different experiments that I ran as I started this gymnastics program because it was far different than the training I had been doing. You know, it's different. <laughs> it's sure. far more yeah. taxing on the body and the nervous system. Um, I needed to eat way more food, way more carbohydrates. Um, but I, I run through sort of all these different experiments that I ran. And what was interesting was I also continued to see the, the physique changes. So, I mean, I got really lean, not on purpose. <laughs> that was just the sort of the added bonus to it. Right. Um, but I could train really hard and I'm seeing really awesome progress in that. So Again, it just sort of opened up this other realm of training and nutrition and manipulating things and had a lot of fun with it. No, that's really awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that, you know, from this, the, the time that I spent with Coach, I mean, he's about all these different things. I mean, obviously, he, he comes from a high level of uh, coaching and, you know, national team and, and U.S. gymnastics and stuff. So, you know, very disciplined guy, <laughs> very... Uh, firm individual as well, you know, so I'm sure that experience was great. And then that's kind of where I think, you know, like I said, before we started that I've, you know, I've known of you been following you to some extent for the better part now, I think for six or seven years. So, you know, that's kind of where our paths casually crossed in, in some, you know, manner was, was within that gymnastic body system, um, which, you know, you're actually more involved in it than I, than I had even realized. So that's, was that your primary training modality uh, during this time was the gymnastics strength training? Yes. And how long, I mean, how long was that your primary? I mean, I know even up to date, you still use tons of gymnastics strength training, but. Um, I, I had that be my primary. I wasn't doing anything else at the time for about three months. Okay. And then I started incorporating other things um, because there were things, there were some negatives um, in my physique that I had worked really hard to build that I started watching go away like my butt. 
Right. Um, I worked really hard to get that. (laughs) For for anyone who might be unaware, if you do a lot of gymnastic strength training, uh, the lower half of your body tends to start to lag behind. (laughs) Yeah. And then in saying that, I also, having had the gymnastics background, um, I've always had an issue. It's a good issue to have, but my lats get really big. Um, very quickly. So when I was training for the competitions, I actually had to do very little back because otherwise I, my back would get too big and I wouldn't be proportional uh, to the stage. I see. So again, it was like this huge mental shift of now I'm doing this training to physically do these things, but I'm also seeing these changes in my body that I'm like, not that comfortable with. <laughs> right, right. Um, and that's honestly why I, I didn't transition away from it completely, but I ended up incorporating other things, strength training pretty much. Right. Like, 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 like days. I wouldn't say most people, but most people that were in that system, that's essentially the direction they moved was a, a hybrid combination, you know, mm-hmm. pseudo, I guess, of kind of what CrossFit has done or tried to do, or, you know, however you want to, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, but you know, it, it, and that was always coach's attitude, right? Like CrossFit's trying to do gymnastics and not really doing it correctly, which, I mean, I guess if you have, exposure to true gymnastics, you're going to say, well, yeah, of course. But at the same time, it's, it's also CrossFit. It's not gymnastics. Right. So it's. And I uh, love lifting heavy. Like I love, I've just always loved that. There's just been something, um, something about it that I can't, I can't stop lifting heavy things. (laughs) Yeah. So, so maybe this is, this will be a good point to talk a little bit about your experience with, the flexibility aspect in the gymnastics training, but also to have an extensive strength training background in terms of using weights, resistance training. And maybe you can go a little bit into your experience with the two, uh, the benefits that you've seen, you know, do you use all these different aspects with your, with your own clients over the years? Uh, Maybe some cons, even if you've seen those Um, because, you know, again, being a, being a guy, it's a little different. You know, first of all, if someone tells, I I get introduced a lot as like, this is the most flexible guy you've ever seen, which I'm not the most flexible guy you've ever seen. But at, at first glance, when you see a guy who's like six foot and weighs 220 and somebody says that he's flexible, people are going to be like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? But, but for you, um, you know, you had this flexibility as a, as a child, but the interesting thing that made gymnastic body is unique, especially in flexibility, because just to give people kind of a brief stint on how I even pseudo became known as this flexibility guy, gymnastic coach Summers was my first introduction to like true flexibility. And because my experience prior to was CrossFit and then casual gym bodybuilding stuff and the mobility guy at the time was everyone we know to be, you know, Kelly Surrett, Supple Leopard, and, you know, say what you will about his techniques, but I will say that I never graduated from using foam rollers or balls or band. I never graduated. It was, it became like part of the routine. Right. And I started stretching because I had an extensive history as a baseball player. And I was fortunate that I didn't have tons of, of, of like bad, like football type of strength training that a lot of young high school guys would get and stuff. But when I started CrossFit coming from baseball, where I basically spent my entire life rotating to one side, things started to show up that were never an issue for me before because, you know, I wasn't doing tons of compound lifts and, you know, bilateral training and stuff. Um, And then come across, I don't know if you remember Coach Summers podcast that he did with Barbell Shrugged, like 
years ago where he got the balls to get on at the time, which was a CrossFit podcast and basically say that 95% of CrossFitters don't have the mobility requirements necessarily to be even thinking about performing CrossFit. And that for me was like, wow, I'm that guy. Like I'm just wasting away on a foam roller and I'm not actually seeing improvements in flexibility. Let me see what this guy is about. And then that was really my first thing was I'm trying to address body issues with flexibility. It wasn't necessarily like, Oh, I want to do the splits because most grown men aren't like, Hey, I want to do the splits. Most are like already think stretching is dumb. And you know, my only exposure really prior to that was yoga. And of course didn't really have a lot of success there either because really I just found myself standing around 90% of the time because there was no way I could do all the things that really what a bunch of women were in there doing. Cause at the time even was, you know, not a lot of guys did yoga. It wasn't like, it's not something you walked in and saw an extensive amount of guys doing either. So, um, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Just the, your combination of flexibility and weight training. Cause even a lot of people on the other end of the spectrum of just weight training, don't believe flexibility is necessary or don't, or it's always an afterthought or they just do it really incorrectly or they try to handle certain issues with it that, you know, you would, people who know anything about flexibility goes, well, that's not how you do it anyway. Or, you know, maybe you can go a little bit into that depth because yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a great conversation. It's something that I always get pulled into. (laughs) So I think it'd be great to hear, uh, to hear kind of your experience uh, with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting in retrospect, looking back, I've always had some element of both, you know, with gymnastics, training gymnastics as a kid, obviously a huge component of flexibility, um, but still a lot of strength with, you know, doing the uneven bars and uh, doing the vault and tumbling and all of that. Um, But then going into wrestling, I was you know, the the fact that I was flexible and could do these things um, that many of the men couldn't do, and it was working for me. So I maintained that really well on top of all of the strength that I needed, uh, you know, to be able to throw, throw a guy. I only did a couple of times. Um, (laughs) I hope he's not listening to this. He's going to like have nightmares all over. He's probably forgot about it. And then now it's like, oh no, not this again. (laughs) Um, But then going into competing when I was doing fitness, I I needed the strength to shape the body the way I wanted it to look. And that was very actually clear in the women who, who I competed against, who just focused on the skills or just had the element of gymnastics or just had the flexibility. Uh, Cause again, there was a, a range of talents that these women brought. Um, some of them were like cheerleaders and things like that. So I used the strength to shape the body, but then I maintained the flexibility to do the routines so I always had an element of both. And I think then making that transition to gymnastics bodies and then eventually incorporating both, it just felt natural to me having both um, because I wanted to maintain my flexibility. And I think actually that is an important thing to mention in that my like overall goal always, I remember, I remember saying this when I first started training, like in the gym before I even started competing was, I just want to be able to do these things for as long as possible. I want to be able to flip around if, you know, when I'm older, I want to be able to walk on my hands for as long as I possibly can. Um, I just want to feel good. I want to feel strong and capable. And um, that's, you know, whatever that means and how that shows up in my training, that's still like main goal. So, you know, I didn't do things that could potentially hurt me. Um, I was also very smart in how I trained. I knew my body well enough within training to know, you know, when something 
you know, I wasn't ready for something or to take a step back from it. So I think that just that intuition has served me really well and continues to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was especially true when I became pregnant. Okay. So obviously that was another big experiment of both with the nutrition side, but also with my physical body and, and what it was capable of doing and how I had to adapt things uh, throughout the pregnancy, but then also postpartum. So a completely different body and its capabilities. Um, I mean, by third trimester, I wasn't, um, you know, I was going upside down, but not very often. I definitely wasn't back bending or doing limbers. It's just physically not possible. Um, Although I had some really cool handstand pictures in my maternity photo shoot that I did um, where my belly's big and I'm like upside down. But, you know, I didn't, that wasn't a part of my training at that point. Um, So I was just focused on maintaining strength and preparing my body for this you know, event that athletic was event as well. Yeah. That I wanted to do. And that was my goal through the pregnancy was to make sure my body was prepared to do this event. And I saw labor as my next competition. <laughs> like that I'm going to do something that I've never done before that I know my body can do. Um, but I've clearly never trained for, I don't know what to expect. So right. I did a lot of research in that area. I sought out specialists to help me, um, you know, just confirm also, what I felt like I needed to do to prepare my body for that. And it worked out really, really well. Um, I felt great throughout my pregnancy. I had no physical like issues, nothing hurt me. Um, I was probably still doing things I, sh- I shouldn't have been towards the end because I felt so good, you know? Right, right, right. Comes home and sees me like on the countertop. And he's like, why are you up there? <laughs> <laughs> you have a living I didn't want to bring the chair over. So like, yeah. Just climbed up, uh, no big deal. <laughs> so, um, you know, that worked, I think, really well throughout that time. And then again, postpartum was just a, sort of a rediscovery of, of my body reconnecting with it, kept it stupid, simple from the beginning. Um, so again, that foundation was pretty much there and I could just built on top of that. So. Wow. So, so obviously a lot of benefits just for, to pursue both the range of motion and, and having a well, a wide range of it. And then the strength as well served you well for what was to come essentially. Um, and I mean, you had a pretty successful bounce back, like no major. That's, that's awesome. Honestly, yeah. the thing that I had one little hiccup and I got what's called a mommy's thumb, which is basically tendonitis of the thumb, some thumb from holding my son. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, you should have trained I, your thumbs more. How dare you? I can't believe you missed that. <laughs> Um, but it did limit. There were like two months where I couldn't do handstands because it was too painful right. to do that. But I, you know, I sat out the right people to fix me up and took care of that. So, <laughs> all right. So that, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, and here you are now and your son is three, mm-hmm. just a little, three. just turned three. Cause I think he's around the same. My, my first son was born, um, He's, well, he's almost three and a half. So, cause I remember it was very, very close that you had yours as well. So very fun time to be a parent and, and also like try to be doing the fitness thing, sleep and, you know, all those different things, uh, makes it for a very interesting time. Even as a, a dad, obviously I didn't have to go through the same experience as a woman, obviously, but, um, but once he's born and, you know, some late nights and, <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of things definitely makes it interesting to try to, uh, to, tr- to, and that's actually probably when I became the most flexible 
because it was definitely like the one thing that I could do consistently all the time, wherever, whenever, didn't need anything extra for it, you know, and it, and it wasn't so taxing that it, it actually helped me a lot because it helped me relax and calm down and all those kind of things. So that's, um, now one of the things that like I deal with a lot and I don't know if it's something you've really experienced it. Cause fortunately people I talk to, not everyone has experienced it, whether it's just because they've been fortunate to be in circles that it's not really a thing. Um, in fact, I've actually had back and forth with coach Summers over the past few years since not being in the gymnastic body system. Cause I make these statements and it's interesting to hear what other people say, because then you go, well, you, you've been in a very specific area for a very long time. So you're, I, so what you perceive to be true versus like what 90% of other people perceive to be true tend to differ a little bit, especially at a highly specialized, you know, position like that. But, um, you know, strength and flexibility, it's something that you could and, and, and likely should, if I, if I can make such a statement have, and there's really no reason why you can't. Right. I mean, Agreed. I want to be able to do it all. And is that something that you focus on with your clients as well? Is, is like, you know, because mm-hmm. like people come to me again, they, they, they hire me for one reason. And then when they realize, okay, we're going to use the last 20 minutes to stretch, they kind of look at me like, what? <laughs> at first, right? It's like, uh, okay, you know, and of course they think it's going to be like, all right, 15 seconds here, 15 seconds here, 15. And when I'm just like, okay, we're going to get in the stretch and we're going to do it for, you know, five minutes. They're just kind of like, what? <laughs> so is that something that you use in your own as like on the business side of things, not just personally, but with your clients and stuff, do you find it useful, especially for a lot of adults? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And with that, I actually have a very interesting approach for that specifically in that, I mean, most of the women that are coming to me um, just want to look good. So they're like, I want to look good. I want to feel better. What's the easiest thing for me to do that? Um, So I do the nutrition side of things, obviously, um, which we can get into a little bit more, but for the training side, um, it really depends on like what, where they're, what their experience is coming into it. So if someone is a little bit more advanced, you know, they're familiar with the weight room, they've lifted before, um, it's usually easier for me to start incorporating some of these other things into it. Um, but if it's someone brand new, then I'll just do very, very general baseline, get them confident in some of the basics, get them some sort of body awareness because most of them don't have that at all. Um, so it's like, what does this feel like to you? Where do you feel this? You know, do you feel like your muscles turning on? What's the limiting factor? Um, I'm also doing all of this virtually. I don't see in-person people. Okay. Ever? Navigating very rarely. So actually this, this work from home, that's very easy transition. (laughs) Okay. So you've been doing this not as a necessity, like most people have turned to, but this, this was part of your business practice for quite some time prior to. Because then I can reach all of these, these women were reaching out to me from different areas. So it just made it easier for me to be able to help more people who didn't live near near me. So I was doing everything virtually, um, had a pretty good system in place for check-ins and and all of that. So uh, again, I really try to meet the person where they were at and then eventually over time build on top of their confidence, on top of their body awareness. Um, But there's been such a range of people. I mean, I've had people reach out who follow gymnastics bodies who wanted me to just help them through form and things like that. Um, I've helped competitors. I've helped people put together routines. 
um, at that more advanced level. And then I've helped the mom who walks in and is like, I've never lifted a weight in, in my life. What do I do? Right. So, <laughs> so, know, your, so your client base is also very diverse. I mean, obviously you have certain specialties, but a quite diverse range of, of clients. And do you train mostly women that you train? Do you train men as well? Mm-hmm. Or only mm-hmm. women. Okay. Awesome. And I awesome. made that shift about five years ago. Five, okay. Six years. Yeah. Women really empowering women that. kind of thing. What's that? Women empowering women kind of thing. Like, like that's what you wanted to focus on. I also, you know, as a woman, it's, it's, I, we have a unique set of needs and mm-hmm. biology and things to keep in mind. And um, to put it bluntly, like men are easy to train. Yeah. <laughs> they usually do what I tell them to do and then they get the results, um, which should be like, more appealing to use that as a business model, <laughs> except I didn't, I wanted more. I, I had, yeah. I knew I had more to offer. And so women was, was the niche that I chose. And then, you know, it sort of morphed into what I do now. No, that's good. I mean, yeah, like really extended me training women, some, some female athletes like high school and stuff like that, who, you know, volleyball players, softball, et cetera. But I mean, most of my base is, is men. Cause it's typically as a trainer, you find that people reach out who, sort of mocked up what they want to be. And you probably have, you're probably a semblance of what that is that they've kind of looked to, right? Like I want to have a little bit more muscle or I want to be like, you're going to, most people are going to seek that kind of person out. So, but most of the women I've trained, even it's like a husband wife scenario and they kind of train together sort of situation. And it's like, Mm -hmm. but I've actually trained very little women one-on-one outside of that for that exact reason that you said, it's just like, you have your host of own experiences that I'm not even going to pretend I can relate to. Um, so it's, it's best to, for me to just network and kind of refer them out to people who I know are going to do a much better job just for that simple fact alone. It's not that I don't think that, you know, I could help, but you know, it's a, it is a lot easier when you can relate right. And in, in, in different things. And I'm sure as a woman coaching a man, it's, it's hard for a man to, in a lot of situations, accept that like, Oh, I'm getting training advice from a woman. You know, it's like <laughs> just good old fashioned ego masculinity kind of showing it's showing its head. Right. So. Yeah. And I will say the last few men that I did coach was just on the nutrition side. So I helped them sort of dial in, sense. you know, their nutrition with their training. Um, and they took care of that side of things. So, um, like I helped a CrossFitter at one point, um, I've helped, um, uh, wrestlers in jujitsu make weight. So wow. work on the cuts for their meets and their matches. Um, so again, handling more of that side, because at that point I had done so much manipulation with nutrition that that was really fun for me. So I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah. This is like different and new, like, let's try this. And uh, a lot of that at the beginning was just them being okay with being guinea pigs. And luckily everything <laughs> worked out. So. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So I guess this would be the perfect time to kind of get into that specifically is is training women like, and I, and I just want you to kind of, you know, I don't really even know what to ask in terms of like, how is it any different or anything? So I, I just be interested to hear your entire experience, your viewpoints on, on women and training. And, you know, even for me, like, like my wife, it's, it's hard for me to get involved for a lot of reasons. And you should be eating this. You should be training like this, right? Like there's always going to be a ridge there, no matter how good, like she's probably my biggest supporter, but at the same time, she's not going to listen to me. Right. So it's like, what, what's it like training women? What, what's, what's so different about training women, you know, compared to men also from experience, but just, you know, from your own uh, 
opinion? Like what, what's it like? And, and, and how does that shape who you are as a trainer and as a coach? Uh, you know, maybe tell us more about that. Definitely. There's a lot to talk about that. Um, hopefully I won't ramble on too much, but feel free to no, ram- rambling. In, rambling in, in is respect. usually where the good stuff comes out. So rambling's fine. Trust me. I'm the king of rambling. Perfect. Um, well, like I said earlier, you know, I love women because we are more far, far more complex, um, a in just our day to day, the roles that we take on the pressures we put on ourselves to sort of be all of the things. And I think especially like nowadays, in this sort of world and environment and time. Um, and I really got that, that extra perspective when I became a mom of, oh, whoa, like I'm not number one anymore. <laughs> um, this, this isn't my body right now. Like I've literally just forfeited it up. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that I can't take, can't take care of myself. And now what does that look like? Um, and when I think when it comes to fitness for women, it is like very psychologically driven. Uh, the motivations, I mean, I saw this big time in the competing world. You know, most of these women who wanted to get into competitions were either running away from something um, or they were overcompensating for something or they were, you know, honestly wanting to, to feel loved and accepted. And right. they felt by looking good and doing X, Y, and Z that that would get them that. Um, and I kind of like preface this earlier in that I started, I got very into doing personal development stuff. Um, in my early 20s. And I think competing really brought up a lot of issues um, that I, you know, had some awareness of, but didn't realize the extent of them. And when I started doing all of that work, I realized, wow, I have a lot of unresolved stuff uh, that I am attempting to either like ignore or escape from by doing these things. I mean, even as an athlete, right? Like it's already psychologically, it has a massive impact because your skill level, even though it, it should be a competition of like, you're always just trying to do better, right? Like that's what you hear. Like even, you know, this cliche is Michael Jordan was always like, I wasn't trying to be better than anybody else. I was just trying to be better than myself day in and day out. But at the end of the day, you're always compared to your peers, right? So it's like that in itself is already hard. Now, now imagine getting into a sport where you're not just getting compared to your peers from a skill level from a purely not purely but from a very physical level right like i mean this is this is bound to have a massive impact on somebody huge i mean we're talking about nitpicking little thing you know this could be oh, bigger this could be smaller um i mean you're, you're paying someone to judge you <laughs> like every yeah. component of you and um you know so a lot of women would want to get into that for that approval, that sense of approval um, to better themselves, even though it wasn't really to better themselves. It was um, a crutch for something else that they hadn't either been aware of or dealt with. And when I started doing my own inner work is when I realized that um, my entire childhood, that, well, basically every time I participated in a very intense activity, competing as a kid, joining the wrestling team, starting competing in fitness um, in my 20s were all around very um, traumatic events in my life. I see. So they were my out. They were my escape. They were my avoidance technique for not dealing, you know, again, being a child, like not having any tools to navigate what was going on in my life. And that for me manifested in a physical expression. So I would get out my frustration, my upset, um, my worries, whatever it was through my body. 
I would work it out. <laughs> I mean, as unhealthy as that can get, it's probably the worst or the lesser of the evils, right? Because there's obviously many routes other people decide to take, well, you know. And I'm one of three girls and my sisters took very different routes. Yeah. So that's and have very know. similar traumas. So, you know, in now looking back at that, like, whoa, <laughs> so clear. And I think back to wrestling and I, everyone would ask, why are you doing this? I want to put my body through the hardest workout possible because I do not have the capacity or the tools to, to navigate the other, this stuff that's going on in my life. Right. And so I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist and just be in the gym all the time. Yeah. And again, it, it served me well at the time and I made it through all of these things. Um, but it also meant like I, that I hadn't actually dealt with any of them. And that's how they were manifesting. Um, also in this sort of control of my diet, control of my training, control of how I looked. And um, so having sort of had that epiphany, I can see that in clients that I work with. I can have these conversations at the beginning. This is part of the consultation process of like, what, what is your motivation? What has happened? Or what are you going through that makes you think that this is the answer? Um, it's really interesting because, you know, it's funny. I, I told you that I had this guy here this weekend who interviewed me and, you know, I'm very lucky because I'm one of those coaches who I, I don't see the revolving door of clients. I have like a really solid client base that I've seen for a very long time. And in the question that he asked me was why, why is that? How is that? You know, because it's, it's not heard of, you know, every trainer tends to get one or two of those that just kind of like stick it out. But like, how do you get people to stick it out? And I think that you touched massively on that reason is I told him that one of the biggest things I think that made me successful with other people is that before I got into training, I had an extensive sales background and being able to dig a little bit beyond the superficial and find out people's true and real, I guess you can call it purpose or drive behind what it is that they do, that there tends to be always this underlying reason. And it's a lot bigger than most people realize. And I and I kind of had, even just during that conversation, had the realization that that's what I was able to get to, you know, it was like the guy who comes in and, you know, not to get personal with anybody or about anybody, but it was like, oh, you want to look better. Okay. Like, all right, everyone, look, but why do you really want to look better? Like, what's the big, you know? and then you go to find out like, oh, my wife and I haven't really been intimate for a year. You know, you, when you really start to communicate with these people, you really start to peel the onion back and you start to find these deep seated reasons behind really why they're, they're coming to you. Right. Which is essentially for help. So that's really, I mean, the parallel I see there is, is really fascinating because it's, it, again, if you look past that, it, it's, it's pretty much in all of us. Right. So. Definitely. And that's, then I'm actually helping them. I'm right. not just giving them band-aids. Um, right. I'm not just helping them hide and continue to hide or continue to escape. Um, and we can still do all of these things, but our motivation, our reason for doing them are much different. Um, so that's, again, why I love working with women, especially moms, where there's just multidimensional. There's more things going on, you know, whether that's um, current things that they're trying to navigate and being a mom, especially right now, um, or, you know, dealing with unresolved things from their past. And it's, uh, you know, it, like you said earlier, it's a very big responsibility um, that I don't take lightly, but I'm also, you know, a lot of my coaching is just around supporting them in the other areas of life and helping them provide them with tools, uh, to make the dieting and the training easy. 
yeah. to know that like there is flexibility and adaptability within all of these programs. And I want it to be easy. I don't want to, I'm not here to add something to your plate that you have to do. And I want to help you be able to like make it work and adapt to your lifestyle. And I kind of said this earlier too, like find consistency over time and know that like that's going to change over time. Um, I also talk about seasons with my clients a lot you know, we have seasons where we, this might be our goal. And then we come into a new season, like holiday seasons, we navigate that very differently. Yeah. <laughs> and these are different tools that we're going to need for that. Um, motherhood's a different season. Postpartum is a different season. You know, they tend to be short seasons. Um, and while the overall theme is the same, like we need separate tools and techniques for navigating those times. And, um, and also that's why I think I have such a good retention rate is because, I don't just help them like, you know, get a six pack. <laughs> right. Really, that's easy if you just do the stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Don't have, they have other stuff going on where they can't just do that. Right. Like life happens. And so me, me living my own life at the same time and like experimenting through it all and trying out all of these different things with myself has, again, given me the tools to be able to, to provide them. And that's been really fun and awesome and rewarding. I, th I think that's massive. I mean, that's one of the biggest things I've learned too is the difference between one of a successful and a, a not so successful personal training business, right? Like I'm not, I've never really had to scratch for clients and, and that kind of thing, right? Like I've been very fortunate that this was all kind of in my coaching style very early. Again, I attribute it more or less to a sales background and um, in, in high end sales where like, it wasn't so much about foot traffic as much as it was about retaining relationships and building relationships with people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like as a coach, that's, if you want to be a successful coach, that's like really step number one, right? If, if you want to have a really good income training people and coaching people, it's, it's like be there for those people, like actually be there for those people because yeah, you know, like you said, a hundred percent goals and stuff, these things come and, and go and change and move around and you have to, as a, even as a coach kind of adapt to those as, as the individual themselves has to adapt to it. Right. And, and know how to manage that and move it because there is like a bit of what they need, but also what they want. And you kind of learn how to, how to balance those things. Right. And it's, it's a skill in itself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so. I mean, even just talking about how realistic someone's goals are. Yeah. Um, I've talked more women out of competing than I have into it. Someone comes to me and says, I want to do a competition to you, coach. And I put them through the consultation. And by the end, I'm like, I don't think you should do it. There are a hundred other reasons why you can get, get in shape and take care of yourself. And it does not have to be getting on stage. In fact, yeah. I feel like this is going to make it worse. No, based that's off of some honesty. That goes a long way too, right? <laughs> and I charge a lot for competition coaches. Some integrity. Not to do it. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably what makes you so good. It's just that integrity sits there, right? It, it, that like there's nothing ever looming over your head where you just like start to feel uncomfortable because you don't really feel like it fits like what you really believe and that kind of thing. And, you know, again, you're not really chasing the money. So it's when you do it for those reasons, it tends to show. And then the money comes, right? Like the money will come. If I believe if you, if you're really true to that and true to that, you know, those beliefs and, and stay true to those belief systems zone, don't, don't waver on them um, for the sake of, you know, the almighty dollar. So, you know, did, so you train women prior to having your own child 
And of course you had dealt with women who've probably been in that situation in that circumstance of, okay, you have children. And of course, theoretically you could understand what that's like. Then you had your own. Was there a shift or a change for you as a coach and how you approach training, obviously for yourself, because you now were put at the necessity level where it had to, but in retrospect, now looking back and training clients and working with, with, with your clients, was there an epiphany that you found there? Was there an aha moment? Did it pretty much stay the same? What kind of happened when you had your own son? Lots of aha moments, lots of, lots of epiphanies. Um, in fact, that, that uh, led to several emails and phone calls to past clients apologizing and saying, I thought that I got it and I didn't. And in fact, I think I was being a disservice to you at the time because oh, I did wow. not have that awareness. Those were not easy emails to write, but I did because I truly felt like I needed to say that. <laughs> How many people have? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're probably like four or five. Like, no, I mean, I mean, I know. I mean, just even if so, I mean, how many people have written that email? Oh, I was probably, <laughs> probably, probably not very many. Yeah. If I had to like, just guess, not that I don't have faith in my fellow human, but if I had to guess, probably many people did not have, of course they were like, oops, but the fact that yeah, you like oh my reached gosh, out is, is so terrible. <laughs> wow. I mean, and that, that, that like encompasses, um, a, just the training style and approach. Um, you know, I have a, now going into it, if I'm working with someone uh, postpartum, like completely different set of tools for, to navigate completely different, uh, progressions within their training, especially, yeah. um, uh, just awareness of like time, <laughs> that these especially like a new mom has um i'm like how how what's the like the least we can do <laughs> right 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 what is like the amount of time effective most, dose exactly yeah. exactly i mean i'm talking prioritizing sleep like if you didn't get sleep you have no business training you have no business training like don't even it's not shouldn't even be a thought in your head take a nap um, so yeah exactly <laughs> um feed yourself well you know at that point i would focus on the nutrition side of things like feel feel your body nourish your body um in these ways so it's, um, it was very different. And I think going through it, it was very challenging for myself, A, to not be able to do the things I was used to doing. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be able to, but I think actually like experiencing it was very different. Like, oh yeah, no, that's really not going to happen. Like the first time I jumped, I was like, oh, <laughs> not ready for that. <laughs> uh, going upside down was very different. Not ready for that. Um, and, you know, just retraining, you know, starting over, starting over. Um, but I think being smart about it and being forgiving, um, being compassionate with myself and my body of like what it just went through that, um, especially postpartum, honestly, the pregnancy was easy comparatively because I trained, I had time, right, <laughs> I could sleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> I trained the day he was born. Um, I was actually coaching a, a client to pose for a competition when my water broke. I was in high heels doing a posing session oh my at the gosh. gym when my water broke. And I was like, okay, time to go. Time to go. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Where are my keys? <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, navigating that time, uh, again, just a whole new, a whole new perspective on things. Um, but also realizing that less is more that I can make great impact and changes in my body and reconnect with it in these like wonderful ways um, without doing very much at all. And in fact, by taking a step back from training and being more conscious of and, and have awareness of my body in other ways, 
know, how I was sleeping, how I was recovering, how I was fueling myself. Um, that again, gave me more tools for like, okay, well, how can that translate into you know, whatever capacity of training that I can do? Right. That's, that's one of the main tools that I help clients with now is um, we talk about biofeedback and in different ways to listen to your body, to tune into your body, to connect with it so that you then know what to give it at any time and when to push it. And therefore through pushing it, what to do after right. to cover, to, you know, make sure that you're still taking care of yourself in those times where you might push it. Like for the competition that right. I did, right. it was like, I know, but this is going to be a stretch. I'm still not doing as much, um, but I am working hard and I need to keep in mind that my number one priority is still my family. So like my son got sick three times in my prep for the show, which uh, meant like a lot of sleepless nights, <laughs> right. a lot. And I'm like, well, that was a part of the plan. So shifting things, adapting to things as I went um, again, just like this is real life and this yeah. is what moms have to navigate. And so, you know, we can have a plan, but it needs to be flexible and yeah. adaptable. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it, even from the other side as a guy to watch that happen to a woman and to make that change was like, I tell people all the time, like it really is an incredible moment. I mean, in, in many ways to watch a woman give birth because there is like an instant, even not only in them for on many levels, but in yourself, I think if you're probably mature enough, it's like an instant evolution that happens to you as an individual you know, psychologically, physically, the things you start to experience when you like literally see life and holy crap, I made that. And, um, you know, and, and the fact that especially, uh, my first son was born, um, hundred percent, totally natural. Um, and it was quite in, I mean, there's obviously, I think if your fitness level is high, you're going to have some benefit, but man, is it just like a, it's, it's like watching a fitness competition. I mean, it's, it's at a, like at a, at the most extreme level, I don't, I don't mean to compare the two. I just mean it is an athletic event. It is to watch a woman physically go through that is you, the res, the level of respect just like elevates times infinity because it's just like, holy crap, that was incredible. Um, I literally had a pre and post labor nutrition plan as wow. if, he was competing. I was like, okay, I'm about to do this event. I don't know how long it's going to last. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know what the intensity is going to be like. It's probably, it's going to be really high, higher than anything probably. So I had like this whole list of like, I made a, a pre-workout shake. Um, you know, I had food. Oh, wow. I had time luckily, like between yeah. when my water broke to when I was actually like, you know, laboring. Um, I had a few hours, but like I prioritized my food. I prepared certain things. And then afterwards I was like, hunger than I had ever been in my entire life. I was like, feed me food. <laughs> yeah. And I knew what I wanted. I was like, I need these things and these things and these things. Um, and I think that that absolutely helped with my recovery. That's, also. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So did anything change? Not, not just for the sake of that time period, obviously things had to change in terms of your training and stuff. Is there anything that has stuck for you? I mean, you are a fitness professional. This is what you do you know, for a living. Um, and, and it's funny because sometimes I get like a little shy or nervous when my clients are like, how much do you train? And then when I tell them like how much I train, they're just like blown away. Right. Like, well, you know, six, sometimes seven days a week, always doing something, you know, sometimes twice. And they're just kind of like, they're 
then they get the idea that that's what they have to do to, to be where you're at, but they don't realize like, no, I just do that because well, really for the sake of just doing it. Right. Like, but like, is there anything in your training? One, have you experienced that with your own female clients? Like, do they come in, you know, and ask like, as a professional, what does your training schedule look like? And do they kind of get the, uh Oh, or they, or they have, or they start to think like, wow, that's what I have to do to be where I want to be. And then two, did that change for you personally? And has it stuck since having your son? Cause obviously now you do have responsibilities of a mother. Um, you know, how does, how do you balance that work fitness family relationship, even as a professional, uh, in the industry, not just a woman who's trying to do this, you know, because most women, you know, unfortunately are probably working full-time if not at least part-time and doing a family thing and trying to fit in the, the fitness and the, and the, the nutrition and all this stuff into all of that, you know? So I'll say before baby, I was definitely training more. And I mean, luckily I think up in the, up till that point is when I got really smart about my training. Um, I trained often because I liked it right. and I liked experimenting and I had the time to do it. Um, but once my son came, I, I mean, it cut down significantly. And I think I actually got the opposite result or the opposite response from clients. They thinking that I worked out all the time, that I did all of these things. And I'm like, mm, I don't do that much, actually. <laughs> A, because I've maintained, I've been consistent to some extent for most of my life. Um, again, like, you know, I didn't train for a long time. I still have shoulders. Um, you know, things get a little smaller sometimes or softer, but, um, you know, the muscle memory is there. And at this point, like at least three days a week, sometimes five, if I'm lucky. Um, but those other two days are short and sweet. Um, you know, usually those are going to be my stretching days when my son's home and I'm playing with him on the ground and I'm like, Oh, I could do some stretching at the same time. Um, but I think I've also learned to manipulate the food so much that I can, if I don't have the capacity to train in the way that I want, then I can manipulate the food to still look the way I want to. Um, I think that's been a very valuable tool to be able to provide for clients. Like, Hey, if you have the time and the capacity to work out, like let's do it. And this is what it could look like. But if you don't, that's okay. And we can do 90% here and then 10% here and focus on what's really important to you in your workouts. Like you want to be strong. You want to be, you know, a lot of these moms, I'm like, I want to be able to pick up your 45 pound kid easily. Right. Um, yeah, and that's, it becomes that's more about the, the game of life, right. Of, of, of now navigating the physical aspects because it's sad. Like, you know, it is, it's, it's horribly sad. You know, I take my son places like the trampoline park or even just a hundred percent. And you're, everyone's looking at you like you're crazy, right? But it's like, you're jumping around having a blast. You feel great. And you're looking back thinking they're crazy because they really, all they can do is sit there and they're sitting there in pain, let alone moving around without being pain and having good, you know, a decent body comp for what's necessary. You know, not, I don't believe that everyone needs to be shredded out of their mind, but you should at least have control of, you know, like what's going on with your body and what's going in your mouth and stuff like that. And it's, it's a sad state because it's the majority and it's the vast majority of American parents. And it's hard to, it's hard to come from a critical point, right? Because then people always say, well, this is what you do for a living, which is why I wanted to ask you that because people are instantly going to have the, the assumption that like, you know, 20 hours a week and 
multiple training sessions a day and, and you don't, you don't have that. I do not. I mean, honestly, I mean, my husband probably could, but my son prefers me over him. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, it's, I it's get that. <laughs> I, I'm false for, um, you know, especially I would say like the beginning of, you know, sort of this situation we're in this pandemic that we're in yeah. um, was obviously like a huge wake up call too. He was here hundred percent of the time. My husband still went to work. Um, so I'm like trying to navigate having him here all the time, working, um, managing, you know, the home, doing all yeah. of the mom, the mom and wife stuff. Um, and still trying to find time for myself. And that was, uh, you know, again, it gave me tools to be able to help other women do that because it was like, okay, well, everyone's in the same situation. I have an idea of what you're navigating at least. <laughs> Cause yeah, I'm especially like, now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, these, these are things that I'm experimenting with. Like if you want to try them out also, we can test them out. And luckily again, I've, I've had a lot of these clients for so long that they're like, yeah, just tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> let's right. try it out. Um, and you, you kind of hit on this earlier as well in that, you know, if someone's motivated or they, they have the goal of like looking good, you know, there's always other deep rooted issues behind that issues, yeah. um, deep rooted motivations behind that. And for a lot of the women I'm working with, they just want to feel good and they want to feel confident and confidence doesn't necessarily mean that they have the six pack that they thought that they needed to feel confident. Right, <laughs> exactly. most, most men don't care about that anyway. So <laughs> In fact, it can be a little intimidating. I've had people like when I was at the height of competing, like a lot of guys don't want a super ripped chick. Right. Yeah. No, hundred yeah. percent. That's the assumption that's been made towards me. And like, it's like the last thing that I want of my significant other is to be like jacked and ripped. Right. It's just like a weird thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with women pursuing it. I'm just from, from like what I'm looking for. That's not necessarily it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think, for me and helping them just determine what it is that they that they really want. Um, I can much better provide them the tools that are going to realistically get them that. And that is like confidence in just moving well throughout their day. Um, confidence in like carrying their kids and playing with them and, you know, not getting hurt to doing something simple, um, but also confidence in like feeling like they, they can navigate their day to day and not feel you know, like they're running, running around like a chicken, their head got off. Um, you know, they have a sense of self. They have a sense of like what they need to take care of themselves, um, which is a huge part of, of what I help clients figure out. Like what tools can we put in place outside of diet and exercise? They're going to help you feel confident in you and knowing what you need so that these other things are super easy for you. Okay. They're not like taking the place of, you know, cause I think a lot of women train like I did, um, full overcompensation to make up for something else. And so me helping them figure out what that is, then I can give them like the proper tools in a much more sustainable, realistic way. And they're going to reach that goal way faster because the goal is different than what they imagined it needing to be. I mean, I think you're like the perfect, you're essentially the perfect resource for women because not only you know, cause you do, I've seen the opposite, right. Of, of women who try to train women, but don't necessarily have families yet or anything like that. So they have their own, but you've been through the full spectrum of experience essentially at this point that any other woman's going to experience for the most part in terms of the work, the, you know, the home, the family and, and the, and the self relationship and how to manage all of those different things. Because if a woman came to me, 
I mean, again, I have a theoretical idea, but I really have no, no clue. Right. If I'm like, just being honest. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's incredible to, to hear that, you know, you look the way you do, obviously you have an extensive athletic history, but you have a really minimal effective dose dose approach for training because you do see that as like women kind of almost torture themselves again, usually compensating for some sort of something somewhere else. And it's like, it's tough to watch, you know, as, as a coach and trainer and, you know, even as a guy trying to approach and say, Hey, maybe you should do it. it's like, it can come off a little, like, why are you talking? Why? Like, who do you think you are telling me this? A hundred percent. Right. Like it's, 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 it's like the chauvin, like it almost comes off as like chauvinistic, right? Like this is what I think. Cause I'm a guy. And, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible that you're able to have this platform. And Oh, the one thing that you mentioned that I kind of, I noted here that I wanted to touch on because this can be really interesting for, for professionals in this field, especially with social media these days is that you changed your opinion on something and you admitted that you were wrong about something that you had done prior. And I have to say, not only from experience, but then just seeing others, that's a hard thing to do. And it's also very rare, especially when you have such a public platform to say, whoops, you know, I did that incorrectly because there's a lot of fitness professionals out there, especially ones that socially are at the very top who make some massive mistakes, but then never take responsibility and just say, yeah, you know, I was wrong or yeah, I could have done this better. They, they hold on to it and they, it's like they just sink their teeth in and they don't let go. Um, is that a difficult thing to do? And I guess their thinking is a survival thing, right? Like, Oh, if I said I wrong, I'm wrong, people are going to then question my authority or, you know, whatever. I mean, what do you think, you know, are the benefits of saying, look, I did this incorrectly. I mean, do you think it helped you? Do you think it hurt you? Or, and what, what actually did happen? Did it help you? Did it hurt you? Oh, it helped me a hundred percent. Um, I mean, everything I do, I want to have integrity behind it. And I think I've been very clear on that being a value of mine for a long time. Um, I'm also very comfortable saying, I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. very comfortable. Like I don't claim to know anything that I haven't. Um, and that's why I say like everything that I coach people on are, are things that I've personally experimented with on myself. I don't, you know, I've tested it out. And if I don't know, I will let them know and I will let me figure it out or help you figure it out. Or I think I know resources for this. Like I've right. sent some people, men usually your way. Um, Cause I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. Go over there. <laughs> <laughs> I know people, you know, who are way more equipped to, to navigate, help you navigate these things. And I'm very confident in, in passing that along um, because yeah. I've also, you know, realized that I want to help people who are ready to receive the kind of help that I have right. to offer. And it'll be very clear if they're, they're not ready or I don't have that in my wheelhouse. Um, yeah. That's why my, my consultation process is quite rigorous yeah. that we go through and not everybody will become a client. And I'm yeah. more confident now in saying that and being okay with that. Um, because again, then I'm working with people that are ready to do that, who want to work with me, um, who understand what I'm about and how I can help them. And I don't claim to help anybody get a six pack in six weeks. You know, I don't claim <laughs> to do, you know, if you ever see any of my marketing, it is like 
there's no timelines. There's no like right, right. jargon or anything like that. Um, and I was nervous about that actually at first because I felt like it was too vague. I felt like it wasn't going to be appealing to people. Um, but it also weeded out a lot of people who have false expectations of what can actually be achieved in a certain period of time. Um, so no, I think it served me really well. And I, again, my integrity is very important to me and I plan on maintaining that. (laughs) Yeah. I think as a business model, it's definitely the way to live. I mean, some people get away with not being that way, but I feel like at some point that the, the, the cards will fall. Right. And you start to see, especially with social media, probably prior to, you could do that stuff and get away with it. Cause well, how's anyone ever going to find out? But now it's like, you're always under a microscope, whether you, you know it or not, whether you realize it, there's always somebody watching. And a lot of people, unfortunately are out there waiting for that to happen just so they can nab you. Right. Like, but um, yeah, I think that the, I guess it, like maybe advice for trainers, just that exact thing you said is, is I think an extensive, that's, that's actually what I tell people is, okay, if I'm going to book a consultation with you, when I was seeing people in person, cause now I'm not taking anyone new on just with everything that's going on. Um, but this is as much a consultation for you as it is for me, because if I don't think you're a good fit, I'm just going to tell you, like, it was nice to meet you, you know, and hopefully what I've tried to do is build a network of people that I can refer out to. Like, if I don't think I'm the right one, then I can definitely send it out. But I feel like a lot of trainers for some reason, especially younger ones don't have that thought process. Like they think that there's not enough out there for me. So I have to like, kind of just hold on to anything that I get. But I have found personally, again, I can't speak for everybody, but I've found personally that the more I keep my integrity in the universe tends to reward you, uh, you know, in ways that you may not necessarily see at first, especially if you're not just chasing the money. Like if I've definitely had people come in where I'm just like, this isn't going to work. You know, it's just for whether it's me, whether it's you, it's not you, it's me, you know, or whatever. Like it's, but somebody will come along and it's, it, that it will. And, and, may, and I wouldn't have found them if I would have kept this person on that wasn't really going to fit anyway, but I tried to make it, you know, so Agreed. I think that's super useful advice for, um, you know, anyone who's, maybe looking to get into this industry. Cause I know I, even I get messages every day of like, how did you get started? Do you have any advice as a young coach? And, and I think that's like a massive one is um, never stop well, learning. Be open no, to, yeah. I mean, this is going to be for life, but <laughs> specific to like what we're talking about with nutrition and, and fitness side of things is like never stop learning. There's always more information. Um, there's always new ways of integrating things together yep. um, that you might not have thought, like who would have thought, you know, do squats and then slide into the splits, you know, like, right, exactly. you know, five years ago, I would have been like, no way you have to choose one or the other. Right. Um, and I think, you know, through experimentation and through, you know, I just, I love absorbing new information and yeah. some of it I throw out and some of it I'm like, Oh, a piece here and there, or oh, let me try to integrate this or this makes sense. I don't know how it fits yet, but maybe there's a way, um, you know, a lot of the, the nutrition coaching that I do is also on like nutrient density. It's not just, you know, eat this and that. It's like, where's your food coming from? Um, right. What is it providing you? I have clients get blood work. Like I want to see, I'm helping so them with everything. <laughs> yeah, it's very extensive. Because yeah. um, I want them to just be better people all around. And I want to make them healthier all around, not, you know, give them like a complex or <laughs> a food obsession. And Which says, yeah, it's, you definitely see that. You definitely yeah. see that that happen, you know, with professionals. It's, it's, yeah. 
And I'm confident calling someone out and saying, we are taking this too far. Like, this is not what we were going for. Or, you know, we're heading in a, in a direction that I don't feel like is good for you. Like, I'm also confident in, in saying that to clients um, and being that sort of soundboard and that mirror for them as well. I mean, especially yeah. when I was coaching competitors, I'm like, we're, you're taking it to another level that we, we, we agreed not to go to. <laughs> right. And you're, you're going there, so we need to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people tend to get carried away. It's, it's probably it's just done it. <laughs> humans, right? Like you, you always try to take it a step further, take a step further. Um, hopefully in a better direction than a worse one, but you know, it's, it's a habit that we all kind of fall into sometimes, especially if you're like, if you're an achiever like yourself, it's like pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And then it's like, Oh, you know, let's back off a little bit or hopefully someone's there to, if you can't see it, say, uh, maybe you should, back off a little bit or whatever. So that's, I mean, man, you've given me so much insight into training women. Yeah. It's uh, now I'm like, yeah, nope. (laughs) It's, you know, it it was really interesting for me because I've, I've had in, in, you know, maybe to finish up here, cause I know we've been going on for some time, but, um, and I, I, look, I could go literally, we could probably say and talk about this for six hours, but, um, you know, I've trained, a spectrum from kids to adults to grandmas and daughters, little girls coming to me who, you know, there's, they have splits on one side and they're eating yourself before the other side. Cause again, they've just had really bad coaching. You know, I've, I've ran the gamut from your weekend warrior to your businessman to, you know, the whole spectrum professional athletes. And it's really interesting because you did, I wanted to just touch briefly on maybe you can go into it. Cause I know your focus is obviously training, but massively also nutrition training or eating for performance and, and eating for, you know, maybe just, you know, metabolic reasons in terms of just maintaining a certain weight and stuff like that. Is there a massive difference? If so to you, what is the difference? What are you looking for in terms of somebody who's training to perform at a high level versus someone who's, you know, just trying to be healthy or, or just, you know, keep weight down or something like that. Like, is there a big difference in your opinion? Um, I'd say the biggest difference is uh, the main approach. So for example, if I have a client who just wants to look and feel better, diet is 100% first. So we will choose a diet path that makes sense for their lifestyle and their goal. And then we will have training complement that. So we will train just enough to help with that based off of their schedule, their lifestyle factors, their stress load, just enough training to get them those results or to help them. But diet is a Number one, yeah. Um, if it's performance, it's the training. What are you training to be good at? What are you training to do? This is your training program to get you that. How do we eat? How do we fuel that training? So the food might not be that different, but the approach and the mindset around it is different. Um, I talked a little bit about biofeedback earlier. Um, I have a whole biofeedback checklist that clients go through to determine their food needs, their training needs, their sleep needs, um, their rest needs. So sort of all of these guidelines of like, what am I, what am I prepared to do? What do I need to do instead of if that, if that comes up? Um, so that biofeedback would be different for some training for performance. Like, what are you tuning into your body? What are you paying attention to within your training that signals or cues you like I needed more or too much or my recovery feels like this. Um, so that's sort of like the mindset shift that I would have a client take right. if they were doing one or the other. Yeah, that makes a hundred, that makes total sense. I mean, just that's obviously as a performer, that's goal number one. Right. And, and 
do you find that this, this might be an interesting thing. Hopefully it doesn't take us too far down the rabbit hole, but do you find there a massive difference to be what a person needs to actually perform versus what someone thinks they need to actually perform? Cause I find that a dependency on food psychologically can really probably have more of an impact on how an individual performs than what it's actually providing in terms of benefits. Obviously there's, if, if it's a psychological dependence, you know, you can take the argument of whether you're trying to break them from it or not, but maybe it's also just useful because if they didn't have it and they wouldn't be performed well, maybe you just keep it in for that reason on its own, as long as it's not like totally detrimental, but you know, do you find there also to be kind of like a, a, bl- a blurred line between those two things? Because, you know, even when I was a kid, it was like, oh, you know, I would play three AAU baseball games. Like, oh, here's a Snickers bar because it's got like peanuts and carbs and you need that to perform, right? Versus like, <laughs> there probably were better options, but it made yeah. sense when you're 15 and your coach is like, you know, you're just like, yeah, sure. I need a Snickers bar and a Gatorade, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Fair. Simple, as easy yes. as that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, actually, I think that was one of my, the most insightful things about the experiments that I ran when I was doing the gymnastics bodies program is um, I would do like three hour training sessions in, in a fasted state, not eating anything and do perfectly fine Right. because I had prepared myself accordingly before. Right. There was never a need or maybe a small need. Like some, there were sometimes I would sip on whey protein in between um, sort of like what I did after and what I did before and before it could be two days before. Um, Actually, in retrospect, thinking about like wrestling, you know, we always we card load before and it was always like, have spaghetti right before. And I'm like, right before doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> you truly like, want to like card literally load. right before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that was, you know, great insight. Or, or, or drink, uh, you know, aminos while you're working out or you're going to go like catabolic, right? Like if you don't get it in, in that moment, you're done for. <laughs> never. Ever. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, way way isolate and a little uh, pink sea salt in my shake. Good so you know, <laughs> yep. She's getting her minerals. She's getting her salt, which is crucial because um, massively important. You know, uh, electrolytes, as as people know them, salt. Um, yeah, that's 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 hilarious. That's yeah. funny. Whereas when I was competing and I had that bad coach, it was like you don't salt anything. Ever. Imagine that. Ever. So, you know, no food, no nothing. And let's just take away like really probably the most important thing that you actually really need, which is salt. And, and then fat was the wow. second thing. Like I wasn't yeah. eating any fat. Um, turns out I, my body loves fat. I eat way more fat than it probably anybody would guess. Um, but my body likes it and it works really well for me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's funny. I mean, so... I guess just to kind of, I want to finish a couple of things around nutrition before, before we end this. Now you do, you, you use carbs. Mm-hmm. Obviously you, it sounds like you found a really good compromise for a lot of women that a lot of women can take. Cause that's, that's always going to be everyone's first fear, right? It's like, do I, am I going to lose my carbs? You know, like, cause we all love them and there's, you know, we'll, we'll bypass the reasons why as human beings, we love carbohydrates so much, but, um, you know, one of the interesting things that you see diet trends, obviously, you know, we've, we've seen them all evolve over the years. Uh, 
you know, paleo, keto, carnivore is super popular now. You know, you've had no carbs, lots of carb diets, vegan, veggie, on and on and on and on. And there's as many diets as there are people. So, you know, for women, it's, it's a hard thing. And I definitely know who to send people to now because I've had women come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm keto, but I'm like gaining weight. And, uh, you know, then you kind of get like, well, what are you eating? And then you find out that they had like a coconut cake, keto cake, which is loaded with heavy cream and eggs. And, and again, not that these things are inherently bad for you, but okay. So you had like an 800 calorie slice of cake, it, but it's labeled keto. So it's fine. Right. But then they're confused as to why, um, well, why they're not really losing weight. So, you know, maybe just to kind of end for, for, for somebody to take away immediately, don't give away all your secrets, obviously, because you wouldn't have a business, but if you had to give the mom who is working full time, um, just some basic, super basic nutrition principles that they can start today that are going to have, you know, not a magical impact, but going to have the greatest impact, not only on their body and their health, but even, you know, people forget that nutrition affects, you know, your mind, your brain too. So if you could give that working mom who has lost hope because they're all out there, especially right now during this crisis where half the country is locked away in their home and they're working from home and the kids are driving them nuts. And, you know, I can keep elaborating on this more and more and more, but for that woman, what would you, what would you tell her? What's something that she could start today? Eat more protein. I love it. The amount of food logs that I see in prep for consultation, I'm like, what, where's the protein? Yeah. That would be second. So first of all, way too many carbohydrates. Yes, we need carbohydrates. Absolutely. But way too many every day, unnecessary, counterproductive. In fact, most of these women, they're making, it's making them feel like garbage. Um, It's giving them the cravings that they have. It's giving them the crashes that they have um, because they're not eating enough protein and enough fat. Um, Luckily, like the new, the women younger than me (laughs) um, are luckily, you know, have grown up in the time where fat is more acceptable. But when I work with women older than me, it is very hard to change that, that mind frame around. No, you need fat, like way more fat, like butter with your eggs. Basically, if you're a woman (laughs) who has come into this uh, prior to CrossFit and paleo, um, fat's not acceptable. Yeah. Even for my mom, you know, for my mom, for my grandma, you know, they, they do to some degree seek me out for advice, of course, because I'm their son, it's, there's always that thing, but you know, it's hard for them because they'll send me, what are you having for breakfast? I'm going to have an entire plate of eggs and bacon until I cannot eat eggs and bacon anymore. And they just kind of look at me like, you're going to have high cholesterol. You're going to, you know, drop dead. It's like, it's a weird, it's like being in a twilight zone. Cause it's like, look, we know this stuff is okay for you. We've moved past that now, but it's still there, right? So, um, so eat yeah. fewer carbs. Um, that's a whole can of worms that we can dive into. <laughs> yeah, time. maybe maybe part two for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, eat more protein and fat. Mm-hmm. They, they'll yeah. feel better. They'll recover better. They'll feel fuller longer. They'll be less snacky, less cravings, less crashes. Yeah, I mean, I'll just be honest. I'm not the poster child for for nutrition. I would say that. I would say 75% of my meals are solid. Like, like my breakfast is always just straight protein. Like it's pretty much all it ever is. And some fats, like I'll have coffee, heavy cream, um, or half and half. 
Uh, I even can do milk. I know some people can't do milk. I, I don't have an issue with milk, but if I do, it's always, you know, grass fed. Sometimes if I can even locally find raw milk and stuff, which I'm not telling anyone to go drink raw milk, you know, don't, you know, sue me if you get sick or anything like that. But, um, I, I can, I can tolerate that stuff. I also grew up on milk. So it's like, you know, I probably built the tolerance growing up. Um, but you know, I also, I'm not like you. I am fortunate that I'm still in the position of my training volume and frequency and intensity stays relatively high. So I can get away with a lot of things. So when people ask me, Hey Jeff, what do you eat? I can only with integrity, give them some basic principles. And that's usually number one, regardless of whether you're trying to lose weight or gain weight. A lot of people need a lot more protein way more than they think. And one of the, one of the strategies that I give people is I want you to put as much protein on your plate as you possibly can. And I want you to only touch your protein until you can't eat it anymore. And then if you're still hungry for some of the other stuff, you know, <laughs> sure, you know, like go ahead. But most people are going to find that if you actually sit down and eat an entire, you know, eight to 12 ounces of a steak or chicken or whatever, you're not going to be that full or you're not going to be that hungry afterwards. You know, then you're going to find those, those other things kind of go away. But yeah, I you actually eat way more food overall. Like I ate half a chicken last night. Yeah. Even like calorie, like, and that's the other things people don't even realize of calories. And then obviously just like at a micro level, the amount of nutrients and stuff that you get, which again, I is, lot, yeah. I'm using the into that entire half a chicken. Like it's going yeah. to good use. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it, and it's, it's a lot more honest in terms of chemically how your body responds and, you know, cause we can all sit down and eat three stacks of pancakes, but you're not going to eat you know, 10 prime ribs. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty honest measurement. If it, if like I had to like give people like a really just easy, non-scientific way to kind of, uh, you know, approach it. But yeah, I think in terms of weight loss in muscle for my guys out there that are like, oh, I just want to put on some muscle dude. And I'm, I'm a hard gainer. Well, just, you really need to eat good protein. And I don't even necessarily mean just chug down weight gainers and weight shakes. I mean, like eat a steak, eat some chicken eat, and more of it because, really you start to see that get put in and a lot of good things happen. So yeah, I mean this, I learned so much about you. I learned so much about training women, what it's like to train women. I've learned a lot about competing in, in, you know, fitness competitions. Cause that's like something I've never even, and will probably never even get involved in. So it's like, <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I didn't even know it was that extensive. Um, mm -hmm. But I just, I do know as a competitor myself and as an at, well, have been a competitor and an athlete, it, I'm sure there's a lot of parallels there and it seems like there are. And I mean, you have, you have such an extensive track record. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, so, you know, if what, I guess the last question I would ask you is other than you, this, you know, <laughs> pays your bills what keeps you going? What have you found that is, gives you the ability to adhere? And now again, removing yourself as a prof professional in this, again, it's kind of hard because it's what you do. But other than that, how is it you continue this day in and day out? What is your driving force and what is your, and I want people to, I want to end it on this. What is your advice for somebody who's maybe looking for that still? or doesn't think they've quite found the reason beyond those very surface superficial kind of reasons why a lot of people start to a fitness period or B make changes in their fitness or C try to handle something in their life with it. You know, 
what have you found Alex as your kind of guiding light, so to speak, in terms of what keeps you going every day? That's a great question. Um, I'd say first and foremost is my family. Um, I, I, I say a lot, especially the clients, um, that my son has been my biggest mirror for me in, in what my value values are, um, as a person, what my values are as a mob, um, as a business owner, as a coach. And I know how I want to show up for him. And a lot of that stems back to what I felt like I didn't get as a child from my parents. And so I want to provide that for him. Um, I, you know, I, physically speaking, I want to be able to play with him. Um, my mom was, was sick a lot when I was young and couldn't do that. She was not present for a lot of that. Um, I want to play with him. I want to pick him up and spin him around. And I mean, I was doing cartwheels over him yesterday. He's, I've trained him very well, by the way. Um, (laughs) And I can do my cartwheels over him. Um, You know, we have a lot of fun together and I want to do that with him for as long as I possibly can. I want to do that with his kids for as long as I possibly can. Um, I have the tools to do that. Why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I take advantage of that? Um, I also like, just like feeling capable, um, you know, I'm the type of woman who, yes, like I have a husband who could do, you know, the man things, but like, I'd still do a lot of them because I can, (laughs) you know, I can carry my own bags. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Carry my Uh stuff over my shoulder, you know, with the grocery bags and, you know, functionally speaking, I just want to go through my day to day easily and feel capable and confident, um, I have two really giant dogs between the two of them. It's like 160 pounds. So I'm like, you know, when I go on walks with them, like I want to be able to walk yeah. them both um, and not have them pull me down the street. Um, you know, so little things like that. But I think it's it's just overall like quality of life. Um, I know how I want to feel. Um, there is the, there is a 100% a vain side where I still want to look good. I want to wear the clothes that I want to wear. I want to put all year round and feel good about that. Um, so that's still a motivator. I also like, don't buy, like buying new clothes. So I just want to be able to still wear <laughs> my clothes. Or you have clothes that you really like that you still want to be able to wear. Yeah. I don't want to have to buy like a new <laughs> size or a smaller size. Uh, it sounds like way too much work. <laughs> um, and then again, I just love learning. I love learning about the body. I like seeing what else I can do and sort of test, testing it out, you know, yeah. testing out life because life is constantly changing and, I want, I want to be adaptable to that and flexible to life. Yeah. It's, there's some, uh, multi meanings in a lot of that. I mean, you know, people ask me too, it's not, I, I lo- who doesn't like looking good, you know? I mean, I guess maybe some people don't, but I think for the most people really deep down people, of course we do, you know, it's survival, especially if you go 10,000 years ago, the only way you were impressing the, uh, the, the, the main woman of the tribe was if you were hunting down lions and you, you know, you carried that thing back on your shoulder and, you know, pretty much the same for the woman, right? Like she had to have some utility that made her worth like <laughs> bearing children with. So I think it's just deep rooted in all of us, both just in our DNA and our psychology, you know, but, um, you know, for me too, it's, it's nothing brings me more joy than, than being able to, not just keep up with my son, but try to get him to keep up. Right. And like, can you catch me? Can you, you know what I mean? And really like as a dad, especially like putting that challenge in there, no matter how small he is, it's, there's always a little competition going on. And, uh, you know, I, 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 
you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I will probably never experience the other side. I won't let that happen to myself, but I've seen people who, who do experience that. And it, it's, it's hard and it, and it weighs a lot on people. And, and, you know, I think that you can attest um, both from your experiences with yourself, but with your clients, like if you, if you are out there, you're listening and you think it's too late, it's never too late. I think that I know that we can make changes. Um, I don't want to say quickly in terms of like six weeks, but you know, what I tell clients is like, if, if you could give me three years of your time and I don't mean 365 days for three years, but I do, you know, minimally, can you give me three days a week for the next three years and for an hour each of those three days, what's that worth to you? You know, can we, we can turn this whole thing around and, and in the grand scheme of things, three years, not a lot of time, right? Like, so I, I think that, you know, her body solutions, health education, which we didn't touch more on, but it sounds like one of the, one of your big principles is not just telling your clients what, but telling your clients why, and really giving them the information that they need. Because I think in, in my experience, that's one of my biggest points. It's why I, I've started this platform was to help educate other people. Because I think that when you understand the reasons behind a lot of one of these things do, it's a lot harder to make excuses for them, you know? And if somebody does and somebody knows that, you know, they're going to call you out on it and they're going to say, you know what the right thing is here. You can't play ignorance, you know? Um, and results, because if you go on your page, results speak for themselves. And I think if you're looking for a coach, if you're looking for advice, if you're looking for help, nothing, uh, proves more and nothing's going to help you more than someone who actually does produce results. They're probably the most important uh, factor of all of this is, okay, you know, it all, you see it all, you've done it all, but have you constantly produced it time and time again? I think that's, you know, massive H E R her for all the women out there, even for the men. I think we've, we've learned a lot in this podcast. I know I have, um, I know several other people are, are going to, I think really enjoy this, this podcast because I've gotten a totally different perspective than what um, you know, I've for the past five or six years, I've pretty much been around just men. So it's, it's a refreshing other than, you know, other than my, my wife, it, it's, yeah. it's, a, it was refreshing because it's like, yeah, you know what? Women are different. It's okay that women are different. Men are different. There are some parallels, but you know, I think that, you know, if you haven't accepted it already, men, women are forced to be reckoned with. Um, it, it's my opinion that you have a lot more on your plate as a woman than a man does. I think there are certain responsibilities that may or may not, depending on who you ask, be a little bit more intense for men, but the, the span of, of what those are are a lot smaller than what a woman is, is expected from others and herself day in and day out. Um, you know, I think we've learned that health, fitness, and nutrition doesn't have to be that complicated. I think there's probably some financial motivations for the reasons why it's been made to be so complicated. Um, but I think just with some of the principles that you've discussed today, a little bit of your journey and your history, I think there's a lot there for people to take away from this. And, um, yeah. Is there anything that you want to, you want to leave the people with and, and maybe you can end with where people can find you. Um, cause I think that's super useful is, you know, obviously guys, um, I'll share this and share her information. And I did share it in the beginning, but where can people find, find you at Alex? And is there anything that you want to kind of end the podcast with? 
Yeah, perfect. Um, well, I'm on Instagram a lot. So Alex Fit Mama is where you can find me. Uh, my website has a lot of great information just on the services that I provide. Um, but I'm also in the process of launching the second round of a course. So I, up until the pandemic started, I was doing primarily one-on-one uh, coaching with women, mostly on nutrition, incorporating the fitness side of things. And uh, once, you know, March, April <laughs> came around, um, A, I realized I didn't have the time or the capacity to help as many people as I knew I wanted to and that were seeking out help. And so in June, I launched the first round of a course called Nourish Her Body. And this first round is wrapping up in December in the, the second round will be starting in January. And um, I have six spots for women and it's going to be a six month program. So it really is going to sort of take what I do on the one-on-one level, on the one-on-one basis to another level in terms of the education that I'm providing, the content that I'm providing, um, but also having that community space where we collectively are learning together and learning from each other, um, which having had gone through this first round has been a really, really like, wonderful experience, both for myself, um, bringing these you know, different personalities, different backgrounds together, but all having a very similar um, goal and motivation for why they're doing it. And a lot of what the course encompasses is that, that personal education of self. So getting to know themselves here, 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 um, yeah. and again, providing them with, with sort of tools and like a roadmap of how we can do that and how that can look. So that is a, hopefully a way for me to just be able to help more people on a broader level. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And I'll still That's... offer the one-on-one. I still do the training programming. Um, I actually have a very similar um, trainerized app. Okay. coming out in January, um, but it's going to be just for the the average woman wanting to get comfortable lifting weights, um, nothing fancy, um, but it's a three-day-a-week program, and that will be coming out in the new year as well. I think that's huge news. You know, that's one of the, the biggest barriers of women is getting into a gym space where they feel comfortable because it can often be intimidating um, with no experience. So I think that's going to be a huge service. Um, Guys, if you don't already follow Alex, please go give her a follow. Um, please check out her website. Again, that's herbodysolutions.com. Um, Alex, I think, you know, for what it's worth, uh, from my own opinion, I think you're doing incredible things, uh, not only within fitness, and you have obviously done many incredible things within fitness, um, but you're kind of a beacon of hope and, and a refreshing light for a lot of women out there who, who have either not taken this path yet, have a bad experience on this path, um, you know, or, you know, if anything that falls necessarily in between, I think you're definitely um, extremely refreshing. And I like the honesty and I love the integrity and I think it's realistic. And I think that a lot of people, men and women are going to gravitate towards that. So, you know, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're extremely busy at being a professional, being a mom, being a wife. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with those things and it requires a lot of time. So again, thank you so, so much uh, for sitting down with me. And I'm sure in the future, um, we'll have to sit down and we'll have to do part two, uh, especially probably when your platform launches and stuff like that, we can get you on and, and talk more about that. But again, I just want to thank you so, so much for your time. So thank you again. Thank you. This has been awesome. I don't get to share like my whole, whole story um, very often. So especially the newer half. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important. I think, um, you know, for people to relate, our stories are, are important, um, you know, too many times do we place this 
place ourselves or others place us at this place of authority without really understanding where those people come from and why they're there. And I think that's probably the biggest uh, reason why they're there. And, and it's great for us all to kind of understand that. So uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure and um, I look forward to talking to you again soon. You too. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.